0: Hi everyone, welcome to Office Hours. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find out more about what we do at officehours.global. Our first hour is general discussion about media digital production. Our second hour is usually something we wanna spend a little bit more time on, and today we'll talk about mid-journey. A bunch of us have played with it a fair bit, and we're gonna answer your questions. We'll talk a little bit about how to get started, how we use it, where we think it's going, but also really dig into your questions. So if you've got questions for the first hour, First hour is general discussion. So um, any questions around things other than mid-journey <laughs> and uh, second hour is mid-journey, but if you've got questions, go ahead and, and ask them now and also ask them, uh, vote on those questions. Um, you know, Voting on the questions make a big difference. We actually o- answer them in order <laughs> based on voting. So if you, if you uh, vote on those questions, it's gonna make a big difference on how we uh, manage that. And also just as, as a quick note, we started this this morning, it was a lot of fun, we're getting up a little earlier, getting in a little earlier and just chatting about the questions. So if you ask those questions early, we will have had time to think about at least some of them um, in, in the in the morning. So uh, ask them early, vote on them early. We start at the top and just go, oh, what do we got here? It's kind of a more of a, Informal discussion about that. So you can, I think we're starting right now about six fifteen Pacific Standard Time. Before you know it, it'll be like we're going to start at four a.m. and then we're going to talk about the whole show, and then we're gonna, then we're gonna do the show, and then afterwards we're going to talk about the show. And <laughs> this is Howard Stern. This, is, stirring, how this is all. This is, how this is all going to go. I, as soon as I saw it, because I had so much fun this morning talking about it with everybody, I was like, I was like, oh, this is going to start at five thirty within a month. Anyway, so anyway, that's how this is all going to go. All right, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the questions. Keely, what do we have?
1: And there goes my life. This is Jacob Goodnight (laughs) from Indianapolis, Indiana. He's asking, when shopping for monitors, what is your preferred screen size and resolution for a multi-monitor home office setup? Any brands or models you recommend?
2: Go ahead, Chris. You know, Jacob, I lean larger when it comes to the monitors. Um, We even set up a few edit suites back in the day with the giant cinema 30-inch displays, a pair of them. That ended up being super big. There was like, you know, neck fatigue at the end of the day, looking back and forth. Um, my currently go toward 27-inch and, you know, 4 and 5K displays. However, in a world of, and but I'm in post, in a world of streaming, I think it's super important to have a few... 1920 by 1080 uh, resolution monitors. There's so much of what we're doing that goes out at HD, and it's good to be able to look at something, you know, corner to corner, full raster, um, the way it is meant to be. Um, So I think it's good to have uh, both resolutions around. Go ahead, Tom.
3: Uh, For my multi-view, I use a 43-inch monitor, and everything else is 27. So that seems to work out quite well on the desk. Go Jeffrey?
4: Yeah for me it really depends on the job that I'm I'm doing like for instance if I'm if at here I basically have a 4k monitor this is a, a ViewSonic uh, Nvidia Sync monitor on my right side on my left side is an old Asus uh, 10 basically 1080 and yeah they've got different color profiles and of course each monitor will have a different color profile to it so if I'm doing like a Photoshop and I want to take a look at the color I can move it from one to the other. Uh, the other thing, uh, the other monitor I'm working on, uh, I've been playing with different size monitors in the middle here because my camera is right here. And I want to put a monitor behind it because uh, in the studio downstairs, I have a big 50 inch monitor in which the camera is in front of. So I can have that uh, look at you, look at me type of, uh, uh teleprompter type uh, situation. So looking for a 10-inch monitor, that's going to be 1080p. But it's, it's definitely important to have different types of size and different types of monitors so you can just see what other people will see. Just same thing with audio is different headphones, different speakers to hear the sounds and see what you might have missed.
0: Yeah, I, I, for a while, I mean, for the last when I want to say for a while, for the last 10 years, I've kind of uh, standardized around 24 inch monitors just because they're modular and I can, I have lots of them. So right now I have five or six of them here. And so I have lots of them on arms. I like them on arms so I can just kind of move them around. get okay, to kind of get them to where I want, have them all pointed wherever I want them to be pointed. Um, so um, lots of 24 inch monitors on, on arms. A lot of them, my, mine are actually 1080. I don't need them at 4k. Um, I am putting a 4k monitor in. I'm about to put a teleprompter in that's 43 inches and it'll be larger right in front of me so that I have stuff for the show. Uh, but I, I don't usually need, need a lot of that to, 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 on my day-to-day work. So, um, and I'm actually creating a whole nother workstation over here that I can route stuff to so that when I do work work, <laughs> I can turn over here and do the work. And then when I come on, on to meetings, I can have the bigger teleprompter with all the stuff that I want. So a little bit of, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> it's, it's an experiment, it works in my head. Next question.
1: This comes in from Kenneth Jones in Seattle, Washington. Last pass continues to be in the news and it's not good. I'm favoring Bitwarden these days. What do you think? I go ahead, Keely. Yeah, I have to say I'm a big fan of what 1Password has been doing. And 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 here I am answering a question with saying, no, go to 1Password. The reason being is that I've been reading up on how they handle things with this adding the secret key. There's a really good article on their blog that I would invite people to have a look at and talk about why that then scrambles everything that's in their cloud. So if somebody actually can break into your password vault on their server, it's all meaningless gibberish. So I... I believe them in what they're saying, and I think that gives you an extra layer of security that maybe you don't have with other password managers, but I'm looking forward to hearing what all the other panelists think.
5: Go ahead, Jason. So Bitwarden is a just fine choice. Um, All of them are going to be trying to do what's called ephemeral Diffie-Hellman key differentiation with perfect forward secrecy. You know, that nice little just rolls right off the tongue thing. Um, so the first part is choose a new password manager, but more importantly, um, you then have to change every password because the issue with LastPass is that your blob is out in, um, out in the wild. So, um, I wouldn't just knee jerk this, you know, pick one that you like and, um, and then get to work.
6: Yeah,
0: go ahead, uh, Courtney.
6: Well, I've never gone for the password manager. I've been dragging my heels all this time and trying to manage it. But but Chrome does a pretty good uh, uh, way of of managing the passwords that I use uh, for websites. I do not use it to store passwords for any financial uh, arrangements, brokerage, houses, banks, anything like that. Uh, So the the stuff where the big bucks are stored (laughs) is uh, not accessible through any password manager. That is stored up here in this feeble brain. Uh, but for all the uh, stupid websites that require a login, I use Google Chrome and I use Samsung's password manager on my phone, and that stores it encryptedly. Another nice thing that Chrome password uh, manager does is it, it, wherever you open Chrome and log into your Chrome account with two-factor authentication, um, you will have access to, uh, you know, it'll load that password list in. And it also informs you of any passwords in your list that have been um, uh, exposed on the Internet. It checks it against an exposed list. It goes out to the dark web and encrypts your password, and it encrypts the list of exposed passwords that are for sale on the dark web. And it compares those, encrypt- those encrypted hashes against each other, and it never has your exposed passwords Um in the, in the wild, so it, it exposed those, and then it tells you which of your passwords, when you go to the password manager, may have been compromised on the net,
7: so that's handy. Go ahead, Alexander. Yeah, I think Bitwarden's a good solution if you're, if you have clients and you have to deal with multiple vaults and uh, you've got a lot of data, Bitwarden's probably the way to go. Actually, a friend of mine who's in IT just spent the last month moving all of his data out of LastPass, so it was a lot of work you got to regenerate one-time passwords, all that sort of stuff. It is a pain, but it sounds like that's the way to go. For personal stuff, I, I've finally moved all of my data out of one password because I just wanna, didn't want to pay a subscription, and I don't like Electron apps. I've moved it into Keychain on my Mac, and it, they finally support one-time passwords. There's some annoying things that it you know it doesn't do, but for the most part, I, it was a fairly smooth transition. I got all my data imported.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm I'm still in LastPass and getting ready to move after this last after the last revelation. I changed my password immediately on the last one, um, but didn't didn't move because I was like, oh, it's going to take a long time, I have a lot of passwords. Um, and so, uh, and my problem is everything is hashed, so I don't have because I've had LastPass password for 15 years or whatever. So I I have or 10 years or something, and so I don't like changing over is going to be a thing. Um, I think I'm actually leaning towards. I have to admit, keychain. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, how often do I use a PC? <laughs> so so anyway, so I, I, I you know how often do I do something cross platform? And it's and so I may do a mixture of keychain and and Chrome, um, you know, just because I and one password is where I'm leaning towards. So I don't do that. Bitwarden I think is great. But those are the things I'm thinking about right now. Next question.
1: On the panel today, Alexander Knight from Vancouver, BC. What lighting strategy is suggested to minimize how tired your client looks on camera? Should I shine a small directional light to try to get more light under their eyes?
7: Go ahead, Alexander. Yeah, I just wanted to preface this. I think I've asked this question before, but I didn't document the lights that people suggested. Uh, I'm in a really, really tight space. I've made some changes to... the setup in the living room where I have people sit. And so they're one of the cameras uh, that faces the client is in the corner and it's in a very, very tight space. So I'm thinking of a small light. I haven't talked to the client about wearing makeup yet. So I guess that's another situation, but he's always complaining about the eye bags. And then the other issue is because he has darker skin too. It's just getting the light in this sort of area, but I also don't want to blind him either.
6: Mm -hmm. Yeah, go Courtney. Um, A ring light is typically the solution for this, but if uh, your client wears glasses, that can be problematic because then you'll see the little circles reflected in their glasses. Uh, Because the ring light surrounds the uh, image, the lens, uh, it washes, it doesn't generate any shadows uh, in the lens, so it washes out all those wrinkles and fills in the bags and under the eyes. But if you do wear glasses occasionally, there are things like this that is uh, what I'm using to fill under my hat. Um, it's a little USB, uh, uh, device fits into the, any USB connector because it's got a USB, uh, connector on the bottom of it. Oops. And it has, um, a touch, uh, touch back and it's dimmable. Uh, so you can just touch the back and dim it down to any level and it's balanced for, this one's balanced for tungsten. And so I use that just on a little, uh, uh, a USB extension to fill under the hat and you can position it just about anywhere. So it's very handy for that.
3: And Bill, this has been a problem forever. That's why in cinematography, they call little eye lights OBs because it goes back to Merle Oberon, who was like an an early, early uh, film star. Um, There's got to be something that's coming from an angle of incidence that is below the slope of your eyes. If like me, you have relatively deep eye ridges to get some sort of light in there. My key light is coming from about 45 degrees up. But if I didn't have the two Fill lights that I have on my desk mount, and they're just inexpensive panel lights. They're about maybe 14, no, 12 inches wide and three inches tall. But those I use to fill up this internal stuff so that you can see inside and that my eyes have some light. So it's a specific thing. Doesn't matter what kind of light you use, as long as it's color balanced with the rest of the stuff. But getting something below that uh, highlight. Highlight position and getting somebody to fill up, do underfill is a really good thing if you want people to look less baggy
8: that way.
0: Good, good, Liberty.
8: And I mentioned this prior to the show of like just concealer can do wonders. So having a shade that is just almost like right, so almost skin tone, so match like right under there, in addition to, of course, all the light information, but it will go a really long way and also some foundation and a shade lighter so that right here on the cheeks, so when they're talking, the smile, that it draws the attention there versus right there under the bags, under the eyes
0: yeah and um one of the things that is really popular if you look at this p- photo here this is a um, uh, are these 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 right here so this is um, these are little roscoe light panels um, and uh, or light pads i think they 're called and uh, you can get there 's lots of different ones what 's interesting about them is is the way that they work is that they they are actually etched glass with edge leds so it it, it basically illuminates the glass and the glass kind of gives a big nice soft light. Um, so you put these on either side of a, of a, um, uh, of a monitor or something like that, and that's going to do a kind of a fill going up um, to make that work. So that's, a, that's another one that's pretty popular um, for a lot of, uh, a lot of broadcasters. Um, next question.
1: This comes in from Grant Whitehead in Adelaide, Australia. Netflix is doing a live comedy special that will be available on demand afterwards, but also doing a pre- and post-show that won't be. What do you think of this model? And there's a link to Netflix.
5: Go ahead, Jason. I think it's fascinating. Also, I think they chose their talent very carefully because people are going to tune in purely, um, at least Netflix hopes, um, for like, you know, just kind of the off the cuff stuff um, that uh, Chris Rock will say. So yeah, I'm for them. Yeah. Good, Liberty.
8: Yeah, I think it's interesting how they are now kind of being like TV with like creating this special event. I've done a lot of, if you think about Netflix and when a new show comes out, Twitter is where those conversations, they have watch parties. So now they're bringing that watch party experience into their app. I'm very interested in what the data will look like of people who are actually tuning in live, um, both pre, well, the entire experience to see about that. And as Jason said, they've got all the selects all the celeb power. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if this is a model that they'll continue to use, especially with the news that they just um, made with just shutting down people's accounts if they're sharing passwords. Um, so I'm I'm highly looking at this. I'm interested in this move.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it works. I think the, the pre and post show will probably interest folks. My whole thing is, is that I've worked on a lot of comedy specials. <laughs> and the thing is, is that the one you see on Netflix, the ones that you see there right now are usually about somewhere between seventy five and eighty percent of the show They got rid of the parts that were didn't work right and so the the issue is is that um, we're now we now get to watch the part that didn't work, and we don't get any interaction so it's not like it's not like we're part of the show. I'm not sure why I would spend time watching something that was rougher than i could have just watched it later when it was edited down to what was funny um you know so the so i think that i um i think that that's the the problem i have is that i don't know without interaction i don't know why you do live like i i think that's the thing without you do sports breaking news and interaction those are the three things that we we think about with live and when you don't do one of those three i kind of go we'll we'll see (laughs) like you know and i think that netflix would do really well if they um if they did the, the 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 watch party being able to schedule a lot of people and i don't mean 30 like the like apple does like 32 or something like that i mean being able to schedule thousands of people to watch something at the same time is a huge business model like because then they can interact with each other and they can be part of all of those things and so i get the interaction with each other but you know and but i think that the live portion just means it's just going to be rougher around the edges but to liberty's point if something goes sideways or anyone wants to talk about it uh, you know, I think that you can do it because it's because we're all watching at the same time, but there's lots of ways to solve that other than going live. Uh, go ahead, Liberty.
8: And do we know, I, I didn't see it in the article, like, is there gonna be any chat functionality within the app so that you'll have that experience? Cause that's the whole part it. of, yeah, so. I think
0: I think that what they're trying to do is have it be something, I mean, part of what makes sports valuable is the fact that everyone's watching at the same time, and you're you're tweeting about the referee, and you're doing all the other stuff, and whether well, that was a great call, and everything else. But again, for something that isn't a sport or isn't news, you know, I feel like it. W- I I think they would get as many viewers, if not more viewers, if they just did a premiere of it so that everyone could watch it at the same time. And I'll be curious to know whether it it's really, really live, but, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be, <laughs> so, but I would like to know if there are people actually in there that are tweeting out that I'm here and this is, this is the picture of it actually happening because most things we see that are live are, you know, kind of as live. I mean, like the late night shows, for instance, they, they feel like they're live, but they're shot about four hours before. So, um, so anyway, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, uh, see how this turns out, uh, next question.
1: Alexander Knight from Vancouver, BC is back and on our panel, how do you delete media from the library on the ATEM? There doesn't appear to be a delete button. Selecting an image and pressing delete on the keyboard doesn't do anything.
6: Go ahead, Courtney. There is a delete uh, button. You just hover your mouse over the image and there's a little X that appears in the upper right hand corner. Click on the X and it goes away from your media pool. Um, You can look up, there is a place where it stores the actual, uh, if you save your setup, save your startup setup, there's a place where you can look where it stores those images and you can edit that. But uh, it's easier just to click the little X in the media pool. Uh, Go ahead,
0: Tom. Well, of course, Courtney's
7: got it completely correct. And there's the little X. There you go. Uh, Alexander. Yeah, I'm not getting it, but I'm wondering if it's because the media player engine that i'm on right now. so does it not let you delete it while it's active is that the problem
0: i don't think so uh maybe but um are you uh but you're using the, you're talking about the media pool right in in the atem
7: yeah so i can i can see so still one is not actively on right now i can see the x but on the second image there's no x i can't actually delete it
6: Weird. I believe it's if it's sorry for butting in. If it is loaded into your media player and not in the media library, I don't think you can delete it while it's on the air.
0: Okay, that, that's it then. There you go. Uh, next question.
1: This comes from Mark Giuliani from Washington, D.C. I'm working with 6K and 4K Blackmagic RAW files in Resolve from three cams and green screen. After applying a plug-in to remove noise, playback is choppy. What should I be recording in? Should I be recording in another format? And what can I do with the current footage to make playback smoother?
3: Good, Bill. Uh, so pixel-by-pixel pixel noise reduction software is some of the most intensive processing that most video images go under. Um, and a lot of these modern systems are such that they try to do everything on the fly, and that can be incredibly difficult for the camera or for your Your computer, your whole system, to process those files and plug them out in real time. For me, whenever I have any kind of choppy playback on something, and I know I've applied any kind of filter to that's going to take a lot of processing, is to bake it in by exporting the file and play that back. I know you can't work on it live, but once you uh, export it to your desktop as a single file, all those calculations have been done once, and that'll usually play back much smoother than trying to play it off your active timeline. You go, Jason.
5: In addition to that, moving to um, a, you know a lower resolution or a proxy codec um, can can allow you to continue to work live while um, you know being able to switch back when you're finished.
0: Yeah, and you can uh, you can also selectively um, render stuff out, pre-render stuff out that, that it's going to inside of Resolve so that you'll pre-render that and then as long as you don't change it, if you don't change anything, um, you can change things above it actually, but you can't change things you know, if it's doing some kind of compositing layer. So anything below that, so you can pre-render um, those things and that way you don't have to render them out and bring them back in, they're just in there as a, you know, as a playback. So that a lot of apps have that and Resolve does as well. So you can pre-render those assets. Um, And then as long as you don't change anything related to those assets, they will stay the same way. If you do a proxy, that's going to make it even faster because it's going to, you know, play out and it's going to build it into a format it knows it can play out well. Proxies and Resolve have been a little bit Unstable for me, where I, I lose audio sync, you know, badly. Um, so so just be a little careful with those. Uh, the other thing to look at is drive speed. So even though it's a processor heavy issue, it is it's the way that it brings that audio that that video back. Um, it, and when I'm doing six K and four K B RAW, the minimum drive speed or the minimum drive input for me is two uh, gigs per second. <laughs> like like that's the that is the minimum that I'm going to work at. Um, I use these little raids that I learned from Fenwick. Uh, these little, these little, these are OWC little um, MVME raids. These have four, um, and I get about I get about two thousand on these things. Um, and uh, but that's the minimum drive speed. Now, the one inside my studio is five gigs, so so it's it it goes even faster when I do those kind of things. But you want to really think about that speed because it's it's really really important. Um, because it'll make everything run a little bit faster because delivering those frames faster for the CPU. And the other thing to look at is what processor you're using or are you using an m1 m2 on a mac um those are going to make a big difference uh, if you're using it i don't really consider i mean if you're doing 6k and 4k i wouldn't consider and you're doing anything any kind of work i wouldn't consider anything less than an m1 to be fast enough to do what you want to do and then finally ram you know because it's got to save all that stuff up in ram so make sure you're if you're doing anything that's slowing down uh, look at how much you bought if you have an M1, it's how much you bought, you can't put more in. <laughs> so so anyway, but this is one of the reasons that you might want to buy more RAM with uh, with your machines. Next question.
1: Alexander Knight from Vancouver, BC. I recorded internally on my ATEM Extreme ISO and didn't realize when I hit record that I had the wrong file name. I renamed the project file and all individual files all individual files to have all the correct episode numbers. Now the timeline is offline. How do I relink?
7: Go ahead, Alexander. Yeah, so I clearly got myself into some trouble here. I guess there's more to the DaVinci Resolve project file because I did rename all the files. I thought that would fix it. I opened it up and I've got, now it says all media offline. So yeah, I'm not sure what to do at this point. Here you go, Jason.
5: Um, okay, if you really wanted to do this, which you shouldn't, um, you could actually go in and find and replace in the XML. And that is a crazy, crazy way to do it. Um, I think your better way is to, um, to go into um, the media import, and you should be able, once you re-import it, it should automatically dedupe. Um, I found that Resolve is actually surprisingly good at that
0: you also should be able to relink those files like force relink you should be able to relink the files um so if you if you right click on each one of them uh, you should be able to relink those, but I think that the XML is there. One of the things that I do a lot when I'm working on projects is I, I use folder systems so that if I get something with the wrong name, I don't have to rename it because XML, the XML inside of projects is, is complicated. And so a lot of times I try to keep them in a folder that's properly, um, and that's how I build all my systems is for folders. Um, that way I can throw anything I want into them. I still try to name the files correctly, but if I don't name the files correctly or they come to me incorrect, I just move them into that folder. I can still find everything I need to find, but, I'm, but I don't need to change the name of the files um, because there's oftentimes in things I've worked on, there's so many dependencies as Jason out- outlined that you don't want to change those because you don't know where they all are. But, but in the XML, you could try it. I'd love to ha- have you try the XML and tell us if it worked <laughs> and, then, and then try to relink. It'd be great. Um, next question.
1: This is coming in from Tony Mobley of Noonan, Georgia. I am operating outside of my wheelhouse. My house of worship is doing a live play in an actual theater. Do I need to bring in internet recording and streaming to Zoom? What rec- What is required or other infrastructure is needed? Go ahead, Liberty. So Tony, I wish you were on the panel today, but we can always have this good
8: discussion in after hours. I The first thing is just really setting expectations. Um, you've shared that it's a little bit outside of your wheelhouse, so if there's someone that can come with you who has that expertise of like, yes, you'll need to bring, you'll need to bring, well, first, sorry, first you need to check, does the theater have internet and actually do a site check going there to test the, the speed and all of that to see if you are good there. Two, I was wondering: Do you have to stream it? Is it possible for you to for during the show to be able to record it so that yes, you can do with your setup, with your um, with your account, cam- with your uh, phones or cameras, whatever you have equipment-wise, and then get that edited and send it out? Because I do know from your your community, your House of Worship, that there are people that won't necessarily be able to get there. My concern is just that um, the ability to get all of those people is because if you're in a theater and the sound and all of those elements. Now, if you can set the expectation that they say, no, we really do want to go live, getting um, even doing it on a a mobile device and having one shot, but definitely setting the expectation for what the experience will be like. Keeping it simple um, is the best way to go. Instead of trying to pull all these elements that have so many so many things that could arise and without having people there that can mitigate those risks so my recommendation is keeping it simple good bill
3: That's a good. That's a very good suggestion. I will say, remember too, the rule that we talk about here on office hours a lot, which is the audio is carrying more information typically, even in a service like this than anything else. So if you can get the audio done correctly, if the house of worship uh, or if the theater has any sort of miking system in place so that the people on the stage can be heard well, if you can figure out how to get a tap of that into your feed. If the audio was good, they will forgive a little bit of instability or a little, you know, the, the one simple wide thing. If they can't hear, then the communication of what's happening in the service falls apart.
0: Sorry, mouse got stuck in the wrong, wrong computer. Um, the, uh, uh, <laughs> um, also, just think about if there, there's a – sometimes we get into this thing like this is the mission. This is what I have to do. And we just start solving that problem and we don't come back to ask whether we should do it or not. Um. So so I just, uh, you know, I think Liberty goes kind of touching on this. So manage expectations. The chances of someone watching something that is done in a theater without the prom- proper cameraing for more than about three or four minutes is very low. Like I just, you know, as someone who's done a lot of these shows, um, theaters have low average view time in general. So when you have a theater thing and you put it on a live stream, um, not many people are watching for very long. Um, and then because and then if you have it as a low quality, people watch it even less. Um, and so you just wanna really look at uh, when you have limited access and limited materials and you don't have good mics or, or, p- theoretically, and you don't have the cameras that are really gonna capture this, are people really going to watch it? And so when you think about that, the effort, it might be worth it to learn and to do those things but you may find that you're not serving that many people very well and they might've been better off. You know, I mean, l- literally they just may not spend a lot of time doing it, uh, watching it. So, so just think about that, that you know, con- you know, effort in those areas. Theaters are really hard to shoot when you have good cameras um, and harder to shoot when you don't have the infrastructure. Um, next question.
1: This comes in from Jack Cannon in Phoenix, Arizona. Any recommendations for a product that connects a 15.6-inch screen to the PK-1 Extreme stand for the ATEM Mini Extreme?
5: Go ahead, Jason. Let me start with what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't use those little 3D printed um, cold shoe things. And then second, you probably shouldn't do this at all because of the leverage of, um, you know, the potential of tipping that over. Um, That said, if you really, really, really wanna do it, any sort of ball and socket, uh, maybe into a frame, should be able to do it nicely.
0: Yeah, I'd be tempted to, a little bit of both of what, I don't know, I don't have an answer exactly, but looking at at this, this frame base basically is a frame for the ATEM, uh, for the, either the ATEM Mini or the ATM Extreme. And it's got, it has some um, cold shoe mounts that are there. Uh, I think that Jason's right that there's a high probability that that would probably shear, um, you know, and you definitely would want them to be metal at least, um, you know, for that. But I think that you may wanna think about a frame that is behind that, that is going, you're going to use those cold shoes to attach it to So you can secure it to them, but it's got its feet the feet of that frame that holds the monitor are on the same plane as the feet of the of the switcher. So I would put something down that would go down there. I don't, to be honest with you, if I was going to do this, I'd machine it. <laughs> you know, like I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't probably print it. You might be able to print it out, but I think that Jason's correct that a 15 inch monitor is going to have a lot of leverage, and so as you start to move it, it's going to have, you know, it's going to uh, potentially be difficult you know, to keep there. But I think that if you gave it, if you let it put its feet on the ground and then attach it to the frame, I think you'd probably be better off. Um, Next question.
1: Comes in from Douglas Carmichael. What other hardware-based, preferably Thunderbolt, Dante audio interfaces would the panel recommend other than the RME DigiFace Dante?
5: Go ahead, Jason. All right. Um, You've asked this many times, Douglas, and I'll, I'll try to answer it as succinctly as possible absolutely any interface. I challenge you, as long as it's the, not the, the native but Mac the computer, Ethernet. But, but, but,
0: but, but, but from a computer, from a computer to Dante, all the channels, like how, do, what would you do there? OWC. Street no, 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 way. but that's not gonna, that's not gonna, but that's, but you still need to do it. He's trying to get directly to Dante, not not just having a, he's looking for an interface that's going to get to, I mean, he's not, I think he's not talking about using like, the virtual card. So he's looking for how do I have an interface that comes out of out of a, um, I'm assuming that that's what he's trying to do um, is try to get the audio interface. Uh, right,
5: he's trying to replace his Waves grid, right?
0: Right. So, so the thing is, is that, I mean, I think that what you're gonna wanna do is have Dante somewhere on the network and then you're gonna wanna have, um, you know, somewhere on a hardware network and then you're gonna wanna have the virtual sound card still in there i think the virtual sound card is how you're going to get audio out of that computer if you're not going to use an external thing now there is um yeah we'll have to we'll we'll keep we'll keep thinking on that i i I don't have a direct answer for that next question whoops you're muted keely
1: This comes from Paul Terry Wallace in Austin, Texas. Anchor just came out with a colorful lapel wireless mic for $200 US. Is this a lav mic breakthrough? And there's a link.
0: Go, go.
3: It's an interesting product. I was not on my radar. I think it's brand new. Uh, Let me switch to a little bit of their website and I'll show you what this little thing is. It's the button on this woman's kind of collar here. It is a magnetic or pinnable little microphone uh, that does two things. It's not just a wireless transmitter. It's also a local onboard recorder. And it's got a couple of interesting things. Again, nobody I know, it's brand new, has practical in the field experience with it, but it says that it does something a little bit like um, dual channel. It has a recorder on board that does uh, multiple hours of recording. So it's a product that really fits in a category I've been thinking about a lot. I, I don't know whether the fidelity of this is fabulous or just good. But it looks like they're really going into this space of a little clip-on recorder and broadcaster that you can use wirelessly with a receiver someplace else. It has a little uh, two-channel receiver and two of the buttons in that little kit you just saw. And it looks like something worth exploring. I, again, we, we don't know how it's going to work in the real world, but it's a pretty interesting concept for a audio system, okay. inexpensive.
6: Good, Courtney. I certainly wouldn't consider it a breakthrough because basically what it looks like is the DJI mic with the two transmitters that record inside with a bigger round case that looks more fashionable, but it advertises their name on the front of it. So now you're wearing a little button that advertises their name on your lapel with a a furry hat on it if you're outside. Uh, So it just draws more attention to itself. It makes it a little harder to hide uh, I don't think it's a breakthrough.
0: I think it's a, a marketing tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the problem is. I, I, I guess I think the woman with it looking kind of like something on her jacket was the most natural looking thing I saw. The rest of them just. I, I'm not sure if I really like these labs that are kind of like it's sticking out. Um, you know, so so the um, anyway. So I don't I don't know uh, uh, that I really like the visible ones. Um, I've used them that way. I've used the go the road go that way and i i found it it was fine um but it was not not a i just didn't like the way it looked so so i think that that's going to be a thing if you wear something that matches the color i think it'll probably be less noticeable the sound quality was good i mean not great but 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 definitely good uh so but i do think that it's not um I don't think that there's anything about it that's particularly special, other than they built another shape, you know, of of a microphone. So I kind of agree with Courtney on that. Um, also, just quick reminder that we can you can ask questions uh, all the way through the show, <laughs> so including right now. So you can ask questions uh, and vote on those questions. Make sure to both ask the questions and vote on the questions. Let us know which ones you want us to to answer, as well as uh, throwing uh, the questions that you may have uh, into the into the hopper inside of Makana. All right, next question
1: from Douglas Carmichael. For those with larger hands that have moved from a 15-inch MacBook Pro to a smaller 13- to 14-inch MacBook Pro, has it been an uncomfortable adjustment?
0: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, again, I bought a 14-inch so that I could put it in little bags and stuff like that, and I thought that it would be used. I almost never use it. In fact, it's gotten me to almost not use laptops anymore. Um, I hate it. <laughs> like I just don't want to spend But the only reason I still have a 14-inch is because... I uh, don't want to spend money on another laptop because I've gotten used to just carrying my studio around. <laughs> so, so I, I just kind of moved away from laptops. But what killed my interest in laptops was my 14-inch MacBook Pro. Um, it's just a horrible piece of junk. Um, next question. Back to Tall.
1: Sorry, pa- pa- back to Paul Terry Wallace from Austin, Texas. Microsoft unveiled the new Bing-powered Open AI Chat GPT and Google announced a chatbot named Bard. You already know the AI wars are heating up. What horses are you betting on?
9: Go, ahead, John. So two weeks ago, uh Microsoft presented first and they showed the integration of Chat GPT successor to 3.5. They didn't, they didn't call it 4.0, but it's a new model. And they talked about integrating it into all the uh, all of the apps. And then the f- next day after Google showed their product, they did a horrible presentation and their stock went down a hundred billion dollars because of the possibility of Microsoft getting back into the search wars with Bing. I think long term it's gonna Google's gonna win out. They have the best AI company on the planet's deep mind. Go ahead, Courtney. Yeah,
6: Google probably has more money. Uh, Microsoft uh, does own a large percentage of uh, ChatGPT that open AI. So uh, they're better licensed to move that already existing technology in. Google has been working on their own uh, AI engine for many years now and hasn't exposed it to the public because the problem is when you keep it up to date. In other words, you scrape uh, every day and you add that into the database. It can be gamed more, much more easily because you can't filter out all that go through and filter out all that stuff to keep it timely. So I think they're going to keep running into this problem that Microsoft ran into when they first uh, issued their chatbot Tay, uh, where it was quickly gamed and turned uh, racist or, or misogynist, or you can you can do bad things to a uh, AI. Model by uh, seeding it with a lot of of bad stuff, so I think they're both going to have a problem with this. But if it's managed correctly, I think Microsoft has a little bit more of a head start because it has the most popular platform in the world, Microsoft Office, to uh, integrate
0: the uh, AI into. I think it'll be really interesting to see. I do think that Microsoft's uh, footprint inside of ChatGPT gives it a lot of you know gives it some leverage there. Uh, I will agree with John that that Google's probably a little ahead as far as the technology internally uh which with with what they have there I, I also would not count out I know I will sound crazy um but there are a rumor to be an insane number of engineers working on machine learning and AI in Apple <laughs> so I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out like I I know that I know that Siri is not you know we oftentimes kind of Shake our head at Siri. There's rumors that there's another version of Siri inside of Apple that is a lot, a lot smarter than the current one that we're using. And um, Apple has, in the past, been pretty good at being a dark horse in the back, just kind of drafting on everybody, watching everything, and then, and then leveraging the market. And so we should kind of keep watching them as well. Uh, next question.
1: This comes from Greg Grechmeyer from Topping, Virginia. Has anyone found a fast way to get 4K video off an iPhone?
5: Go ahead, Jason. If you just shot it, no. I Just straight up, no. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I think, I mean, the fastest way to do it is lightning, you know, out of your phone. I think this is why, I mean, I don't care about the European Union, but I really want the iPhone to have a USB-C just so I can pull the files off faster. Like, I, I think that, I, and I think that we're probably, a, you know, one or two updates away from the iPhone because of the European Union. But the bottom line is, is that lightning has finally gotten to as long a tooth as we want it to be. And so I think that, uh, but there's no faster way than a lightning. So what you can do is either image capture or open it up in iPhoto, or not iPhoto, Photos, and just plug it in, and then you can do the direct import from the phone to Photos, and that's gonna be the fastest way to get something off the, off the photo. It's gonna come in as fast as it's going to work um, with a wired connection to Photos on a manual import. Um, next question.
1: From Douglas Carmichael, in many contexts, like large broadcast music events and sports, I've heard of edits being required during the event itself. I've developed a basic level of comfort with Resolve. What is the secret to editing quickly?
0: EBS. (laughs) So the EBS is how things are edited quickly. Um, We just used something similar uh, last night for a show and um, and so if you want to, if you, if you're doing, if you have like a fast turn, you're just using an EVS, uh, raw, uh, we, we actually use Ross's version of that. And I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but Ross makes a version, Evert's makes Dreamcatcher, EVS is EVS. And so we, um, but you can, it, these are, these are disk systems that basically record all the time. And then you can start setting in and out points as fast as you, as, as you want, um, to, to make those, those things there. So what it's doing is it's not having to re-edit, re it's not having to re-render anything. What you're doing is setting up a database of in and out points. So you're just going, I want to go from here to here and here to here and here to here and here to here. And so you build those in and out points, and so it it's able to just access that playback randomly. so it can keep on recording. It just keeps recording as a, a show and it can have all the cameras or all the other bits and pieces, but then it's going to allow you to set up, I want to jump from here to here to here to here to here to here. Um, and there's a handful of them. they're all really expensive. Um, the ones that are a little less expensive are three play by uh, NewTek has a less expensive version of that, which is not you know not the same feature set, but but it can do a lot of uh, edits. And then there's also M Replay from Softron, which will do it mostly on a Mac um, with with those inputs. Um, I haven't used mReplay Replay as much, but it's something I'm we're looking at experimenting with a little bit more. Uh, next question. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I, you know I don't keep up with this technology because I don't really need to do it, but I know that for many years, twenty some odd years, there have been. Uh, growing quicktime files that you can use and there's different companies that will create a growing quicktime file. And the difference with that is you can literally just pull it off the drive while it is continuing to grow and actually put it into your editor. So unlike the EVS where you're you have a piece of hardware where you're telling it which parts you want it to play, you can absolutely be modifying it you can be putting keys on it overlays putting in dissolves where there used to be a cut as long as you have handles uh doing pull-ups which is uh, what you would be doing more likely with an evs but a growing quicktime file and i'm sure there's ins and outs and gotchas to it alex i'm sure you've dealt with them but Mm -hmm. um that's probably worth looking at like i said i haven't i haven't followed the growing quicktime file thing for a long time
0: yeah, um, Telestream made the first one, the pipeline. They had a pipeline piece of hardware that, that did it, that we used it for events. And, and that was, I don't know, 15 years ago. Um, it never worked perfectly, but when it worked, when it, worked it was great. Um, and it got better over time, but the hardware was a little buggy. Um, the uh, Softron also makes one, I think it's M-Record or whatever, that will do the growing QuickTime files. And we use those inside of Final Cut to do, to do edits during a show. The main thing is, is that it, it, is, it is true that, um, that you can do that. And we've done it as, we, a lot of times we do it as a backup. So we're pulling this all into final cut with a growing file. Someone makes a mistake and you cut it out, like while the show's going on. You can literally be a couple minutes behind just kind of taking notes and making little edits and doing all the things you want to do. When you're done though, there's still a render. <laughs> so so like so that that's the thing that you have to when you're talking about fast return, you can't do that really during a show for playback. If you're trying to deliver a VOD that is better than the live a half an hour after the live went out. Like so so what we would call a fast turn, but not a instant, you know, replay or instant turn or during the show turn, I think it works pretty well. Now you can, if you get a little time, 15, 20 minutes, you're seeing that a lot. A lot of times you'll see them analyze shots on the second after the after the halftime, um, you know, from the fir- from the first half. And the reason that they're doing that is so that they can do composites and everything else and then render those out. So you can do those things during the show if you've got a little time. But um, but so the those software based ones with growing files are definitely effective. Um, and what they do is they just start throwing segments in. You know they they're, they write it all out. Um, they write out a, a two hour. You give you define it. You say this is a two hour. It's gonna and it looks to Final Cut like a two hour block, but it just keeps on updating the file with new segments. Um, and so that's how that's that's how it's kind of wrapping it, that out. Um, but it, but it is a uh, it's not a super stable um solution <laughs> and uh and so it's not something i would want to hang my hat on for a show like i we've never had it be perfect you know like it's oh we have had it be perfect but we haven't had it be perfect every single time you know like you know and so when it's 90 for me if it's 98 percent effective it's not effective at all because i can't uh, you know if, if that in that two percent is like two weeks of meetings uh go ahead jason
5: uh did i'm sorry i didn't oh i'm sorry
0: i'm i threw this so fast keely talks about the fact that i i throw the ball really fast not only do i throw the ball so fast i didn't even give keely the time to ask the question i just threw i threw the threw it to jason on the next one go ahead keely man (laughs) so fast that's like the quarterback just getting up and just throwing the ball down the field like no one is super quick route (laughs) go ahead keely next question
1: Swidner from Lafayette, Indiana, is asking, what is your favorite portable keyboard? I keep looking at foldable foldable ones, but I've had bad luck with them.
5: And go ahead, uh, Jason. Okay, um, so just getting that red mark off my face from the dodgeball, um, uh, my very favorite keyboard forever has always been the Lenovo ThinkPad. The T400 was just phenomenal. Um, they released, uh, I want to say 2010, 2011, a much beefier version of that same keyboard in Bluetooth. Um, in 2020, they did a still weaker version that was more rounded and I didn't like that one as much, but yeah, if you can find it on eBay, it's awesome.
6: Good Courtney. Depends on what you're going to be doing with this keyboard. If you're looking for something to touch type on, go with a Logitech uh, portable keyboard. That's about the same, same size as the Apple keyboards. Uh, a lot of times I'll, travel with a portable keyboard to use with uh, these stick PCs, and so I use something like this ASIO because it has a built-in, this is the size of the computer that I'm communicating with, it uh, has a little dongle so it can plug into a USB, and some of them make them for Bluetooth as well, and it has in the corner here, it has a little uh, optical pickup, and you use your thumb on that as a mouse, it has two mouse buttons on the left, so you can use it as a mouse. You can type it. You can thumb type on it to type stuff in if you're pretty good at thumb typing. Uh, but, I,
0: you, of course, it's too small to touch type on. So that's a, a gotcha. And the one that I haven't gotten yet but I'm seriously considering is the NUPHY, uh, N-U-P-H-Y, the NUPHY Air. I'm looking at an Air 75. Um, they come with little cases on the top, and I have to admit it was just a – I uh, had an e b s op we were talking about e v s before I had an e b s operator that 's what they that 's what they use for their their little they had a little one that they were taking notes on I was like, What is that keyboard It looks so cool and so the new fee and and she loved it <laughs> so she was just like, This is the most amazing keyboard i 've ever had so um so anyway the the new is the one that i'm i 'm circling i can 't recommend it yet but uh it 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 looks really nice. It looks pretty quiet. Um, there's a couple different versions of it. It's got a lot of c- control over how, how what kind of keys you can get for it and all those little things. Um, next question.
1: Um, Paul Terry Wallace in Austin, Texas. Alphabet stock is up just 1.9 percent so far this year compared to the Nasdaq's 10 percent rise. While failing Meta platforms has jumped 41 percent year to date. How do you account for this? And what's the fix?
0: Go dumb.
3: Well, the stock market is basically a form of gambling, and I think people think that there's some long-term process, and they're maybe hoping for value with something depressed and want to bet on it. I mean, you can never tell how the people who invest at the big level in the stock market think about things because I think half of it is just how they feel when they wake up in the morning and and whether or not they feel
5: that, I think this is coming, and I don't think anybody else sees it, so I'll go in long on it. You go Jason. Now, now it's, it's not gambling. It's the world's greatest Ponzi scheme. Okay. You got to get that part right. Really, really important. Um, yeah, no, trying to justify the market is, um, yeah, good luck.
2: (laughs) So yeah, go ahead, Chris. The reason it's, the reason you can't apply math to the stock market is that, um, market analysts talk a lot about what is called, um, market sentiment. Like, how do people feel? Like, it makes a difference if your CEO is crazy or a sociopath, people will feel less comfortable investing in that company. All you're doing is deciding, uh, I like what this company's doing and I want to be a part of it. You get to actually own a little bit of it. Is it a gamble? It's absolutely a gamble. Is it math? No. If it was math, we would all be billionaires, but it's it. it's largely reliant on market sentiment that's the word you were looking for bill
0: yeah and so you know i think that the issue is is that i i think a lot of folks still feel like the lock-in for facebook is much higher than the lock-in for google you know so i think that that is the lock-in is what i think a lot of investors pay attention to in a long-term um you know environment is that people even though i don't use Facebook much anymore, I still am there and I still check in. Like they haven't, you know, I haven't just gone somewhere else. I think that, I mean, I'm pretty locked into Google with all the docs and everything else, but but I could probably move that pretty quickly. Um, The Facebook, all the connections that you have with everyone else would be harder. Next question.
1: This comes from Chris Widener in Lafayette, Indiana. For very young kids, what would you suggest for trust, but verify for location tracking? Air tags seem like a good idea at first glance.
0: My whole, whole family has some version of Air tags on them, you know, whether it's in their bag or, or in their, uh, you know, on their keychain, on my keychain, and everything else, and uh, and we just do it so we can find each other, <laughs> like we're trying to go somewhere, like where is that? Where are they? If we're at a park or if we're at a, at a, a, you know, some kind of amusement thing or whatever it is, uh, it's so much easier to organize um, with that that process. Um, so, uh, so I, you know. I think the air tags work great. Uh, I don't know if I would depend on them that much, but throwing them into a bag uh, is, is probably not a not a bad idea. I throw I don't know I probably have on my account now. I probably have thirty or forty air tags that I put on things. You know, like I've just slowly and I didn't buy them all at one time. It's like oh, I need another five of these, and I'll put this on this, and I'll put these on there. I'll put them in the car. I'll put them in the and it, like I had a FedEx. Um, we, we put them in all of our cases that we ship. And and um, and Fed and I, I could not only tell you when FedEx didn't deliver our, our case on Friday, I could tell you not only where it was, but what part of the building it was. Like it's in the back corner. And then I saw they moved it to the front corner. Then I saw they moved it to another place and we were gonna send someone to LAX to pick it up, but we didn't because we had to call FedEx because we see, we saw that they had moved it to another location. Um, so, it, you know, our, our ability to like manage our resources was dramatically changed by just having those air tags in our bags, I don't think I would travel without an AirTag in every bag I own now. Um, go ahead, Bill.
3: Yeah, you're going to always see these stories of abuse of this technology, but the technology itself is so powerful and it can be used for so much just relief and goodness. Alex is articulating some of them. You know, where is my thing? Where is my dog? Mm-hmm. Where is, you know, and as long as there's consent and everybody's going, if my wife wants to find me, I'm happy <laughs> for her
6: to always yeah. keep track of me. Yeah, go ahead, Courtney. Well, teenagers are pretty smart, and they're going to learn pretty quickly to leave their air tags at jennifer's house and then they go out
0: somewhere and you think, "Oh, they're over at jennifer's I, house I, we're not trying to keep track of mark my, my, my Mike <laughs> Like we're just trying to know where they when we're trying to meet somewhere we're trying to find it and they know that they're there they're on the they're in their back they're the ones that put them there so if they want to take them off they can so the right.
6: solution be to super glue them to the smaller their back uh, <laughs> then child protective services well, you got to
0: why, get it right I so that they can't reach the back of
5: the I head I don't know
0: why you're doing super glue when you can just you know um, you know Implanted, surgically yes. implant them yeah exactly um, that's when exactly. child exactly. protective services comes and takes your children away. <laughs> exactly next question.
1: From Alexander Knight in Vancouver, BC for Mr. Lindsay. Are you using SDI ATEM in your main setup now? How reliable has the USB webcam output been? I'm curious if Black Magic Magic has made any other undocumented internal changes to chipsets.
0: Embarrassingly, I haven't had time. I've just had so many productions rolling through that I haven't had time to flip my system yet. Um, so it still sits here. There's pieces over here and pieces over here. And and I just I it it's a um I have a I have a lot of, when I have a lot of deadlines, I try not to open up new projects. So I go, if I, cause I know that if I do, I will be working on all the projects at the same time. So I have left that, that, that one, cause it'll take a day to tear it apart and put it back together. And I, I'm trying not to allow myself to do it. It's, it's been, it's sitting like I, the, it's, you know, right here <laughs> you know and the other parts are right over there and i keep on looking at i'm going okay i'm gonna do it and i'm like nah if i open this up this is the this is my whole weekend of, of fiddling with it because it won't be just swapping it it'll be like oh and then i need this and i need this and i need this and i did i do need to order a couple more hdmi to stis and stis to hdmi to kind of get that
2: all worked out go ahead chris uh, this is just between Alex and I the rest of you can tune out. so, Alex, you mentioned your desk again the other day, yeah, and talking about your system. Do you want a hard surface on your desk or a soft surface on your desk? Hard surface, really, okay. let's yeah. just working on some ideas. Okay, cool.,
0: um, next question.
1: We're going to Roscoe Jones from Madison, Indiana. How do you use old computers with outdated operating systems in your workflows, or do you get rid of them?
0: Good Courtney.
6: Uh, I don't get rid of them. I have closets full of them uh, because uh, in my job, I occasionally am called upon to uh, provide props for a film or something. That and you have to have age-appropriate computers appear, and so you have to keep them running. Uh, you know, Steve Gibson still runs uh, Windows XP on a lot of his computers, I think. And if you're a software author, if you write software or write code, uh, you can keep them running because your code will always be kept up to date. You may run into problems with older operating systems. I had a friend who uh, has a copy of Office 2003 and bought a brand new laptop, uh, HP laptop, and wanted to get it to run there. It doesn't work very well with, we found that uh, Microsoft Cloud hoses it. So if you remove Microsoft Cloud, you can still run uh, Office, Microsoft Office 2003 on a Windows 11 machine if you just remove the... Uh, microsoft cloud hooks then it works fine but so you can do it and a lot of people like to do it because they like the interface of their older software so they want to keep older software running on newer machines or they just stay with the old machine if they can't get the old software to work on the new machines good
0: jason
5: Computers work relatively well in a vacuum, meaning not connected to the internet. It's important that you power them up every couple of years because the hard drives will actually demagnetize. Um, that said, you can fit a shocking number of computers in a single closet. So get a closet, dedicate it, and you're good to go. Good, Jeffrey. Uh, the other
4: problem with uh, storing computers like that is uh, spiders get into uh, certain areas. You got to go in and clean them out because uh, you could turn on a computer and all of a sudden the power supply just go, boop like that. I've had vacuum times, bags. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had several different uh, had several different computers. I do have one Windows XP machine. I do have one Windows Vista machine uh, sitting in the other room. And if you really need to go back in operating systems, virtual machines work really well in that aspect.
0: Of all the things that I that I, that I thought we would mention about what could possibly be wrong, I just did, Spiders was not one of the list. What well, wasn't on my list, my internal list. That's <laughs> good. It's good. All right, next question.
1: This is Kenny Hampton from Greenville, Illinois. Has anyone worked with the open source software Mumble as a free to inexpensive comm solution for houses of worship and schools? It uses server software, free iOS, and Android apps for download. Comments are appreciated and the links are in chat.
0: I'm really interested in taking a look at it. Like I I'm I'm curious what Rumble does. I've heard about it and I've heard people use it and I and I kind of opened it up. I was like, "Oh, I had to get around to that. I ought to take a look at it and I haven't had time to really open it up and take and and take a closer look." So, you know, we'll we'll take a look at that. Maybe maybe a lab is in if someone can if Kenny if you want to propose a time, talk to the folks that do that josh and roy see if we can find out when uh when that can uh, when we might be able to put that in but i think it'd be kind of fun for us to to take a look at that and see what we can do uh next question
1: this comes from bob sturdivant from nairobi kenya what are youtube shorts are they only vertical format and do we still use the rule of thirds
7: go ahead alexander yeah every, these days everyone's trying to copy TikTok. so youtube shorts yes they are vertical video and uh the way i do them is um you want to have the talent frame dead center otherwise if they're slightly off it's very easy to get them out of frame so you really really have to pay attention to that for for vertical video yeah the um yeah go ahead, jeffrey
4: uh one other thing to remember is youtube is one minute in shorts if you go one minute point one it becomes a regular youtube video you've got to be underneath that one minute and i've been uh, i've been taking a lot of my old videos and just actually just uh re redoing them in shorts uh to shorten them down and, and make them pop again
0: yeah i i i have to say that i i um, i i really enjoy youtube shorts to you know i'm, I'm kind of going to back and forth between youtube shorts and tiktok and trying to figure out where things matter and as a viewer what i like the, the the good thing about YouTube shorts is that it's limited to a minute. I felt like TikTok my my viewing time on TikTok dropped a solid 80-90% when they went over a minute. Like I just I just realized I was like cuz I get to TikToks and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I look at the little thing that's going to slide, I'm like, this is going to be 3 minutes long. I am not going to sit here for 3 minutes watching this." You know like like you know and, and 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 so it just it created so much stress. I liked TikToks when they were 15 seconds of music. And then the rest of it, you're kind of on your own. Um, and, and so the, the one, one minute is the outer limit for me. And so I just skip TikToks that are long. Um, and uh, so the, um, uh, but, but I think that, so I like that. The thing that's missing, I, I oftentimes feel is the memes. And I don't know if, if, if Jeffrey and, and Alex, if you, if you find that, like, I don't really feel like there's a meme culture in shorts. You know, there's a creation culture, but, you know, you know, th- there's a different thing in, in, in um, I'm gonna open this up here, let's see if this works. Um, so like, this is a good example of, uh, I don't know if this is a good one, hold on. Um, but there's a, there's right now, there's a meme, like, so for instance, with that's coming out of the, the, an inc- incredibly, what is it, the uh, unbearable likeness of great, likeness of greatness or the unbearable, Ta- unbearable uh,
5: lightness of being
0: uh, no 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 that's an old one this is a new one with uh, nick cage <laughs> and there's a shot where the camera goes to him and he he looks really concerned and then it looks over at at uh pedro pascal and he's like uh, he's like he's a crazy look on his face and 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 <laughs> it's just everywhere it's you know when i walk into there was one where it was like i when i walk into an office the concerned one anyway the point is that thing has been used like 10,000 times and it's it's just a fun rat hole to see how people take there is something about the connection between people taking a similar video and showing how it how their experience applies to it that is really powerful in TikTok and lost in shorts you know like and, and i think that that's it's something a couple of us have been talking about is that, that that shared experience, the fact that sharing the content is part of the TikTok culture. The funniest, uh, the, the, the um, uh, inception version of this was people started using um, the Verve Pipes Freshman because they were using the Freshman filter. And so they were using the, um, the Freshman filter and uh, um, you know, so they're using that music and they're all showing themselves as teenagers because there's a teenage filter or whatever. Anyway, so after a little bit of time, Brian Vander Ark, who is the lead singer for The Verve Pipe, came on and did one of him going, you know, I, you know, like his, and he goes, the only thing I regret, you know, the only thing I would love to do if I went back as a teenager is write two hit songs. <laughs> so so Which I thought was great. (laughs) So anyway, but it was, but it showed him and he did, he did it. And there was something, there was something so meta about him doing one to his, his, his song was already peaking and and him jumping into that, I thought was, um, was pretty great. Uh, Anyway, uh, go ahead, Alexander.
7: Yeah, I can only speak to my experience of having doubled down on this uh, on on shorts content. I haven't found it nearly as successful as TikTok. And, and just to give you an example, a lot of the videos that I've been putting up on on uh, YouTube Shorts for my client, you know, get, they get a couple thousand views, and then those same videos on TikTok, 400,000. So it, it's not the same culture on YouTube. It just isn't. Yeah, go Jeffrey. Yeah, I totally
4: agree on that. Mostly because they keeps they keep saying if you want to do YouTube, you want to niche down. And if your shorts are not niched down as much as your long form content, then uh then it's it it doesn't work. Whereas TikTok is like, you could throw throw paint throw the paint at the wall and see what sticks type thing. Um and especially because they also have Uh, the duets and they have the stitches and and other stuff like that so if you do the uh, skating down the street listening to Fleetwood Mac drinking uh, uh, Capri Sun or whatever that drink was then uh, everybody can copy and paste that but the one thing that I really hate Especially if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, is anything that's that's ripped straight from TikTok. You see the little TikTok thing bouncing around. I just I just stop watching those uh, because I'll watch them on TikTok, but I won't watch them on YouTube or Facebook for that matter.
0: Yeah, I, I will. I agree with you there. That, but I, I'm generally that way with everything. I don't think you should repurpose content from one platform to another. I think that. You should build content for that platform and then build content for another platform, but repurposing them is not something that I. I oh, I
4: effective. repurpose it. I just uh, I just make sure that you know, like for instance, on the top, I'll have uh, I'll have hashtag TikTok Tech on my mm. TikToks, but then when I go to Instagram, I'll go Instagram Tech. I'll use the same video, but I'll put in different graphics.
0: I guess when I do when I do those mostly for clients, I don't do a lot for myself. Um, I format and plan the shoot for each piece of those things. I very rarely cut things out, or I shoot really high resolution, pan and scan differently. So you will get a sixteen by nine on YouTube. You'll get a nine by sixteen on, uh, you know, on panning and scanning, and but reformatting that. It takes a lot more work, but I find that that it's a lot more effective to get, to make sure that people. As soon as people feel like you're, re- I find that as soon as you fi- people feel like you're repurposing your Instagram into TikTok or vice versa, uh, the you know the, the the connection isn't quite there. You're not you're not uh native anymore (laughs) so so anyway um a quick reminder we we we're gonna push a couple of the questions back the general questions you can always put those in if you if we pushed your question back uh we're trying to let people know because we realize people sometimes don't know that's when we push your question back you can bring it in tomorrow um tomorrow morning so uh so definitely um take take advantage of that so we pushed a couple questions back so we can move to the second hour Um, And uh, we are, but but you can bring those in tomorrow morning. A reminder also that we're starting to get up early, early earlier. Um, for us anyway, and and really discussing some of these questions before the show. So if you're if you're watching, uh, you can come in about 6:15 Pacific Standard Time. We're kind of looking through some of the questions that might get earlier because we didn't get through very many of them this morning. But it's kind of a much more informal roundtable discussion. So you can but throw your questions in. Try to get them in before 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If we push them back, it gives us a chance to look at them, and that's a, that's the best time before 6 a.m. Pacific Standard is the best time to. Um, we reset at 4 p.m. and. Uh, but anytime after six or seven PM, um, Pacific Standard Time, throw start throwing those questions in. But try to get try to get them in before six because it gives us time to look at them. All right, we are jumping to our second hour to talk about Midjourney. Um, there was a lot of questions. I did a little video for uh, for Midjourney um, for for Twit, and I think a lot of people asked about it. And I was like, well, I could just. Just do a whole hour (laughs) and talk about it. This isn't me doing a whole hour of of Mid Journey. Um, This is really just, uh, there's a bunch of folks here that are playing with it. So we want to have people, um, you know, if you have things you want to talk about related to that, Um, we don't really want to show a lot of slides, but if you have a couple things that you want to talk about or or a couple things you want to discuss, let us know. Just for the panel, go ahead and throw your your hand up and we can discuss it. But what I thought I'd do is kind of try to give you a quick overview of, of what that looks like. And so I'm just gonna try to get this um set up uh correctly here. Uh the first thing that that you want to think about is how to get started. I think this is the thing that I think a lot of people have uh trouble with is is how to get you know how to get it off the ground at all. Um and so let me um there's a kind of complex one of the things that I don't like about Discord is there's no way to just kind of show show one part of it. Uh you kind of you're kind of it's kind of all or nothing. Um, and so, what I want to do first is show you what MidJourney looks like um, as we as we go through this. And so, let me. Uh, this is a little bit of a setup on my end. Um, and so, uh, so anyway, let, let's jump into um, MidJourney itself. So I'm going to cut to this, so you can see MidJourney here, um, and I'm going to look at the program here. So, so what you have here is uh, this is MidJourney, and you can get to MidJourney just simply going to MidJourney.com. It'll send you right into the Discord, you know, the, the mid-journey Discord, if you say you want to start up. So, you're going to see this here. Now, there's a couple things to pay attention to when you look at this. Um, so, one of the things that you want to look at is newbies. Um, newbies is where you can put things in. So, you'll see people putting search terms in here. And these are folks that have just gotten started and they're kind of throwing in ideas. And you'll see a couple things that are happening here as they put them in. You'll see these quads. These quads are what you always get. So when you put a search term in, um, you have a quad here. um, And then, uh, so you have a quad that's, you'll get a quad and then what you can do is you can up res them. These are up res one image or another. um, And then these are to build another quad of them. So if you get something like you see this frog here, um, you can say, oh, I, I would like to have four more versions of this top frog or four more versions. So it's gonna continue to iterate. And that's how you're kind of building your journey of how to create some of those things that are, that are there. Um, so you can see someone else requested those. And so the newbies, and this is what you're gonna see over and over again, someone asked for a high-res version of that. Um, and so you have, and, and as we do this, by the way, throw those questions in, we'll, we'll, we'll answer your questions here. We'll jump to questions pretty quickly um, uh, after, after we get going here. Now. I would not start here. Um, what I would do is go down to my recommendation is to go to the themes and you'll see these abstracts, characters, so this is where folks that really know what they're doing <laughs> are, are doing There's a daily theme you'll see really long ones like this. Um, I don't know if all of that makes a difference you know when you throw those things in you know so sometimes i I kind of feel like it's a little bit of superstition um, for those but you you'll see some with that are fairly simple um, that are there, but it's really great when you're brainstorming to take a look at what people are putting in there and what kind of results they're getting, and then you can take pieces of those out, you know, to find those. So, but but the um, you have a lot of different ones. Here's image prompts. So what people are doing there is saying, "I want to grab an image from the internet or from Discord somewhere else in Discord to to um, to make that actually happen." So. And then here's some general ones. And so these are where people are playing in those areas. But I would look at these first and get a sense of what's happening and what people are doing before. Because once you sign up, you get 25 of these to do before you have to start paying for it. So as a newbie, you want to come in here and um, and kind of give it, you know, you can give it a shot now. Um, once you have gotten through this, um, and, and again, I would pay it Pay close attention to what other people are doing before you start using up your own capacity to do that but once you've once you've gotten um, through that you're going get your own uh, you're going to get your own setup and so um, uh, let me take a look at this here i'm going to turn gonna turn a couple other things on and um and so once you one and, and what it'll look like is it's just it'll look like a bot you know it's just literally looking like a um, you know it looks like one of your uh one of your friends there and this didn't work, hold on. Um, so anyway, so, the, uh, so it'll look like one of your, uh, you know, like a friend that you can talk to here. So it's just mid journey is just another person that you're talking to. This was from twit, twit had fetch happens. And so I put fetch in and, and you get all kinds of crazy, crazy questions. This was, and, and this gives you a sense of how many that I might generate on one idea. So twit, um, uh, what we use these for was uh, for, I use them a lot for thumbnails. <laughs> like, you know, thumbnails, like if you look at the Twit and Mac break thumbnails, a lot of them are me sending these to Leo. Um, I uh, I was trying to get it to be, uh, there's a meme going by about I eat uh, art, something, I eat art and my, my kids were playing with it. So I was trying to get it to do eating a a painting and all I got were paintings so so the, anyway, so that shows you when you're when you're playing with these ideas of what you're doing you you kind of come up with the crazy crazy ideas here. So now what you do is once you've i pay for it um I have a pro version you can get a basic version it's like fifteen bucks a month. I pay a little bit more than that um, and um so I can kind of not have to think about it. and what I do is I have you just hit imagine and you have a and then it'll pop up a prompt. now what's going to happen here as you get started, is that prompt is going to? I generally start with the thing that's the most important, and then go to something, then go to other ancillary things that are there. Um, you can see that I created some great images of uh, wood ch- uh, woodchucks chucking wood. Um, those that's usually <laughs> what I put in as a test case. Um, that's there, but you can say, um, "I need I need someone to call something out." Call? Does, does someone have anything they want to want to see? Chris Fenwick usually. I, I know that Chris will come up with something crazy. No, I see. I just threw the ball right at
2: him. He wasn't even turned around. He's just like. <laughs> you know yeah. John Pretto on no, a you can't very say. A, a, a man on a very tiny bicycle
9: Chris Fenwick in a wrestling outfit
2: a man
0: a man on a very tiny um, uh, bicycle and then you can do something like and I'd like it to be uh, with glam lighting because that's always uh, that's always fun so glam lighting and that does make a difference and then while, i will
5: while that rolls john cleese as a luchadora in the
0: style of frank oz see see here we go here we go uh photoreal um, in the style wait in the john cleese as no, a no, luchadora I, I, I can't pronounce you're going to have to I, I can't even type that so so anyway so and then then i'll go um a uh, a r 16 by 9 so that's giving me that's aspect ratio 16 by 9 um, and then i'll hit go and what you'll see is it start to work now one thing that you'll notice is that that it is going much, uh, it will be, um, the, the quads come up much faster than the, than the high-res ones. And so, um, I'm assuming that there's a different processor there to, that makes all of that work. Um, but those are, those are the things that are there. And now you'll see this kind of pop up and it starts to kind of figure this out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I go, when I, every time I try to present this, I always can't think of what to type in. And then when I do it all day, I mean, I have this thing open all day and I'm just kind of making images while I'm thinking. It doesn't look so, tiny. I don't know. Is a man on a very tiny? Does it not bike? know what tiny is. Evidently Small. not. It's got it's got little wheels over here. So again, what you do is you start to you know like we one of the things that we got into was like um, you know imagine C three PO. How
2: do you spell C three PO?
0: C three PO zero.
2: Kidding. You won't care.
0: C three PO as a steampunk robot. in the style of Rembrandt, uh, let's see, photo and we'll go back to AR 16 by nine. I tend to do the, I, I keep on meaning to do a thing. Anyway, so those are some of the, uh, you know, you can kind of do these kind of things and you'll see us start to work here in a second. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what it, I don't know what it was thinking here. It's uh <laughs> seems to have misinterpreted glam lighting as having a light in the frame. <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes it can. Sometimes it doesn't usually do that. Uh, and then it'll it'll push it out they to are a web browser. All so really nicely. Yeah, they all look they all look very glam, but they had to put it, but to put the light in, into the frame. Um, here is C three PO being built um, up to speed here as a. And what's funny is Rembrandt will confuse it, so it'll it'll kind of do Rembrandt, but it'll also give you something that's very 16th century as well. So it's like it, it's not. It does a couple. It, it'll it'll interpret those because it's just grabbing onto that information as it as it as it goes through here. And I'm going to hand this off to some other folks to talk about a little bit. But here's so here is um so there's there's C3PO in the style of Rembrandt as a steampunk robot. And again, these are the thing about this is is that you start with this, but then what you say is you go, oh, well, I would like to see more of number three. This is, it's it's one, two, three, four. I wanna see more of the number three and I wanna make a big one of that. And I might want a big one of number one here. And so it'll start, so what you're now doing is starting to um, spawn, you know, you're spawning new ideas, you know, from the one that you had there. So um, anyway, those are, this is basically how it how it runs and hopefully that's generated some questions and we've got, Jeffrey, you've got a couple things to, to share there, go ahead, Jeffrey.
4: Oh yeah, uh, so I've uh, I basically uh, do a lot of commands. It's 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 all keyword based, so it's, that's the important thing. Especially if you put an image in, it's going to take the image and it's going to break it up into a ton of keywords that you don't see, of course, and then it's going to recreate the picture. And the reason why it does that is. It doesn't want to do deep fakes. It doesn't want, the mid jury does not want to get in trouble with copyrights and everything. They're already getting in trouble with copyrights. Mm-hmm. There was a, apparently one image that showed a blurred Getty Images watermark. Sure. Uh, even though there was a dispute on if it was or not. And of course, there was a lawsuit on that. So I'm going to go through a quick, quick list. I just did a whole bunch of mid journeys here. I'm going to show you with some commands how you can make it work as best as possible. I'm going to start with this one. This is basic, a crowd of a thousand people waiting for office hours global to start. We get a fourplex of that, a whole bunch of people standing in a hallway. Uh, easy, simple as that. We I, I wanted to be more diverse. You noticed a lot of uh, white males in there. So I did a right. diverse crowd of a thousand people waiting for a thousand office hours to start. And it, it did a little bit better. I wanted to do a little bit more—a diverse crowd of a thousand aliens waiting for office hours. Global to start. As you got you can some that see, look like got, humans in there. They're like they're yeah. human aliens. Yeah. yeah. So we've got we've the got uh, a, a pretty good list here. Yeah, definitely. Um, now my brother he loves to do this type of stuff—a diver, diverse crowd of a thousand people waiting for office hours. Global to start in the style of Jack Kirby. So a lot of a lot of cool artistic fails, as we saw with C three PO. Next one. This is version three, there's multiple, there's version one, version two, version three, and version four. There are certain things you can do in version three that you cannot do in version four, and I'll talk about that in a quick second here. But this is what happens when you do office hours to start dash dash version three. Next command, this is the seed command. This is actually pretty cool. If you set a number, you have like between zero and four million or something like that, if you set a seed number, behind your command, then you can reuse that command. So a couple weeks later, you want to come back to this one. All you have to do is is, uh, put the uh, the dash dash seed 1234 and it brings this photo right back in there so you can add to it with that. Next one is uh, the no command. This is a touch and go one because I've been told that if you do no text, if text won't show up but it does show up so this one no faces that worked but uh sometimes it's it, it works sometimes and, it doesn't
0: And a lot of times faceless oftentimes does is better than no faces like no doesn't yeah because it, it's additive it's pulling all the stuff in and adding things to it so taking things out is very hard
4: yeah all right so a couple more here uh this is basically it'll stop it, it, even though it goes through the 100%, you'll see it go through the 100%. It says you say stop at 50%. This is the images that are stopped right at 50%. Uh, Q2, um, oh, I forgot what Q2 was, but uh, that that's another command that you can uh, set up mm-hmm. for this. Uh, of course, we we did the variations. Uh, I did the 1080 by 1920 a vertical video, uh, vertical photos of this, and then this is another very powerful one. Adverse crowd of a thousand people: colon colon one and dogs: colon colon three waiting for office hours global to start. What that does is it gives priority to the dogs over the people in your image, so it'll it'll give you uh, it'll give you more of what you want and not focus on the people. It'll focus on the dogs in this case, and those are the main ones. There's a lot more commands, and it's all touch and go. Just keep in mind some of those commands will work in version three, so you have to go back to version three to to get what you want. Which I admit I never do <laughs> because for, version
0: four looks so much better that I, I generally yeah. won't go back. Uh, go go ahead, uh, Courtney.
6: Yeah, if you have artist friends and they've been hearing about AI generated art, and you want to. Uh, amaze them or, or scare them is send them to the uh, mid journey community showcase. And this is a collection of really high def, really good looking photos that are recent generated in the last couple of days. And as you hover your mouse over it, it shows you what the prompt was, which created those. So you can get a, uh, an idea of uh, what they're using to create these uh, photos and, and, uh, these pictures, I shouldn't call them photos. Uh, But uh, you'll find a lot of amazing artwork there. So you'll see what it's capable of after you refine it and update it. And it scares all of your artistic
0: friends. (laughs) Well, and I have to say that it is so, um, some of the stuff is so outrageous and so cool that, like, for we used to use a lot of stock art for thumbnails not anymore. Like I don't even think about it. Like I don't I don't think about using um, those those types of things anymore. Everything I'm doing is is in mid journey to do things that I just want kind of a zany photo that's going to catch your eye. It's you know, it's going to be it's always going to be that at this point. Uh, Go ahead, Rick.
10: I kind of wanted to elaborate on what um, uh, Jeffrey was talking about with the weights. You can actually add um, weights to brackets too. So you can put a whole phrase inside the brackets and then weight that whole phrase. So not just individual words, but you can actually bracket a whole group of words.
0: Yeah, that's great. And, and I think that, you know, what they're now calling, I, I tend to call them diffusionists, but other people are calling them, uh, you know, prompt engineers. Uh, and, and I think that there's, you know, figuring these things out and getting these little these little tidbits and they have tips and tricks inside of mid journey. And then you, again, I just sit there and watch a lot of people, watch what they're putting in, watch how it's going, you know, how it's working there and going, Oh, I think I'll I'll apply that. And I will say that I just, it's the thing, it's my favorite toy to play with (laughs) and it, because it's in discord, it works on my phone. And so, you know, if I'm sitting around waiting for something, like I'll be waiting for a movie and I'll just sit there and just, I'm just going to sit there in mid journey for the next, you know, 20 minutes, you know, making some crazy images for no apparent reason. Uh, Go ahead, Jeffrey.
4: Yeah, I forgot I remembered the Q the Q is actually quality. So if you want to do a lower end quality inside there, then that's the Q Q2 is right. what I said.
0: Yeah. And so so it's anyway, it's 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 pretty astounding, you know, what 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 you can do with these things. And I'm using them now. I'm doing some some keynote decks. And one of the things that I'll I'll try to pull up some examples, but one of the things that I found very, very uh useful is over a flat white background. <laughs> so I have objects I want a 50s like I I'll, I'll show one there's like a 50s radio over a flat white background cuz I was trying to have radio. It's radio and TV and I want it to be kind of cute and 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 everything else. Oh, and the other thing is in the style of can go a long way. So one one of the things I did is I started doing in the style of Pixar over a flat white background and what I get are these little Pixar kind of like objects and they all kind of belong together you know like like they all kind of look like they if you use the same style they all kind of belong together and they, they're not they don't look like they came from you didn't cut them out of any pixar film they just feel like that kind of roundy kind of look to it and um it is uh it's just a and someone's going to see a presentation that they've never seen those images before and and i you know i have to find i would have to go out and find them on white and then i have drop shadows and you know because it generates the job drop shadow as well so go ahead rick
10: something that i found very useful and i've I've been trying to find ways to monetize some of this art and i've been making t-shirts and things like that and a really interesting way to isolate some of this art is to add something like sticker or die cut sticker yeah and it'll actually add like a white outline around it which then you could extract and use it to like put on other things pretty easily um in comparison to cut something out of a complex background
0: yeah you know, what's funny is, is that we're talking about mid-journey, crayon.ai still does better logos than, than, you know, like it, its ability to create like a logo-y kind of look. A, a lot of times I find easier to do it there. Um, I don't know if it's still out there, I, I, but I was using it and I can't quite get to the same place I was there that I got there. Um, but my kids have been talking about that. We've been thinking about getting a screen press. Do you have a screen press, Rick, or are you, or do you send them out?
10: I've been doing print on demand, so I don't have yeah. to have inventory. I can just set up the artwork and ver- variety of styles, colors, shapes, you know, all that, and and it's all behind the scenes. I don't touch anything. We were talking about it with
0: the um and and what do you and do you make just you just set your price and then you make a certain margin on them or is that is that how that print on demand works?
10: Correct. People yes. Um. Yeah. You get a, a price from the um uh, the or the person who's actually doing the production, yeah. and then you can adjust your mm-hmm. you know your over your. uh yeah, because yep. yep. like we were talking about my kids just wearing
0: them to school, you know, just just wearing the shirts to school, and then you know, with cool logos on them that mean nothing, but but you know, they're and and uh, you, you know, it, can you copyright it? No, but who cares? Like, you know, like you're, you're selling shirts, like someone else has got to sell this shirt for three dollars each, you know. So it's 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 a uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and jump into the questions.
1: All right. Our first question comes from Bobby Rafferty from central Florida. Would this be a more useful tool if for artists to seed the tool with a sketch rather than using a text prompt to get more production ready results?
10: Go ahead, Rick. Um, So this is the, yeah, so you can use images to, um, to kind of give a base for some of the, um, uh, some of the art. So you can upload an image uh, to, uh, To discord grab that link and then after you type your imagine you put that that link in and then add a little description to um then modify that art so you have something to start with and then you give it a little bit of a text direction to um drive the style in the direction you like to go
0: yeah yeah exactly it can it can definitely do some of those and you can also take whole images into it so one of the things that you can do for instance is um you can and i 'm going to pop this up here but there's this, this is <laughs> this is me throwing up an image of myself, just dragging it into the thing and then saying i want it and i want it as a um uh, i think i said i wanted it as a as a jedi knight in the style of of manga <laughs> you know and so I just gave it that and that's pretty much the whole prompt um and so but it just took it took a picture of me, and so I what all I did was drag that image into the conversation I was having with Midjourney, right-clicking on that and saying copy link, putting the link in. So imagine and put the link in as a Jedi Knight, manga, you know, in the style of manga, and then you get that, you know. So so it it it, it oops, and I can't figure it out anyway. Now I'm in a lost state here, so I'm trying to do too many things at one time. Anyway, so the um but. Uh, uh, anyway so you can do a lot of things that are that are pretty uh, uh pretty fun and so you can take the images of your friends you don't have to just do things that are in the database you can start with that image and then put it out is it going to look exactly like it no is, sometimes in that case is it going to look better than you <laughs> the answer is yes so anyway next question i can't hear you Keeley.
1: This comes from Clive Kitchener in Soak, B.C. Has anyone figured out how to make Make Journey spell correctly? And why is spelling such an issue? <laughs>
0: Go ahead, John.
9: From what we're told is they purposely scramble the letters because they don't want to violate any copyright trademark issues. Ah, uh, okay. Jeffrey?
4: Yeah, and it's very frustrating because if you're looking for something, if you're looking to make something, and all of a sudden, it is, if it's got it especially baked into the image, the uh, just this weird Array of of whatever characters that they think are text, it it kind of uh, it, it doesn't work with a lot of the stuff that I do. So it'd be nice if they just wouldn't put text in at all. I,
0: I find that it's, it's it's really beefing up my my Photoshop skills to have to fix. I'm now ending up as a as a uh, Midjourney. Uh, a uh, touch-up artist you know, so, same you know like you're opening up but like all these things i haven't done in photoshop for a long time i'm like oh i gotta paint this out but i gotta do it seamlessly and i gotta get rid of it. so i'm using all these tools because it gets so close like it just does these incredible images and then you're like ah oh, but it's got a, a a wire sticking out of his head You know, like like it's like you know like it's, it's a perfect image and then there's like a little wire like i don't know why you thought that that was going to be okay go ahead rick
10: yeah i mean you're definitely um Photoshop skills definitely come in handy for that. I oh, yeah. have a lot of like the uh, content aware fills and things like that yeah. to, to get rid of it. But I've also been using other uh, AIs too, like Stable Diffusions, in painting and out painting to mm. remove elements and or add elements or combine elements. Yeah, that's that's a really good idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's going to come to mid-journey at some point where you can select something and just you know have it have it sort some of that stuff out. Like go fix this, you know, just get rid of this or or something because it's it seems like it should be able to generate those. The other thing to remember is that we're just doing 2D images right now. There are already a lot of talk about things that are happening with um, scenario.gg is, a, is one that is um, moving really quickly where they're building tons and tons of characters. Um, you know, a lot of those things are, are going to happen very, very fast. Um, next question.
1: Clive Kitchener from Soak, BC. again. How long do you think it'll be before one of the big players scoops up mid-journey? What, when that happens, will it be good or bad for users? open your crystal ball. Go ahead, John.
9: So the crystal ball is Adobe's been working on AI stuff for a decade. They're going to integrate generative AI at max last year. They talked about 10 different projects of adding generative AI into Photoshop. All the components will come into layers. If you want to change a text layer, you just go in and change the text layer. It's going to be much easier for Adobe to add generative AI into Photoshop than it's going to be for Mid Journey to add editing into their application, so Adobe's going to win out in the end. Yeah, go ahead, Jeffrey.
4: Yeah, and with a lot of different open source ways, like uh, Prado is making his uh, his server AI server. That I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you just they just basically bypass and and they say we're just going to out out best Mid Journey with our own version. So and I I I have no doubt that there's somebody that has a server out there right now. That is making deep fakes. That's their own server and their own their own code. Nobody ha- nobody gets to touch it but them. Yeah, I'm I'm
0: curious as to whether people will catch up. So one of the things that that is happening is is that you know Midjourney's got so many people. I think that I don't know what the number is right now. Someone can look at today's numbers on Midjourney server, but I think it's probably you know over 10 million now. The last time I looked a couple weeks ago, at the rate it's going, the last time I looked a couple weeks ago, it was eight and a half million people. And when you have that many people iterating, the, the big problem is, is that you can try to do something in a lab, but without the human interaction of people actually using the product, um, you're not getting that really valuable data that is like how they're using it and what they're generating and 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 so on and so forth. And so so I think that there's a I think that the mid journey is getting some serious, you know, um, pieces that they are missing some things, that integration, so on and so forth. But I also think that I mean Photoshop could do it. But also another one, some of these other ones like Affinity Photo or Pixelmator or some of the other ones might be. E- it might be easier for them to integrate it because they may not be as worried about the re- legal ramifications as Adobe might
2: be. Good, Chris. You know, I don't think Tom ever thought anybody would catch him catch up in MySpace. But you know that that kind of went away. I think the catch-up <laughs> game is it, it is relevant, but it's not insurmountable. I think, you know, I think for a couple of years I've been saying, you know, Google's on its way out and everybody always laughs at me. But then you have chat GPT as a way of, you know, searching and finding stuff. I think that as, um, as you start playing with this, it it is interesting. I I wanted to mention, um, one of my clients had me do a, a video about how to use the, the search functions and keywords on their own personal, um, image library. And one of the women I was dealing with had worked for Getty um, and I learned I learned some stuff about Getty and keywording and, and, and stock photography that was very interesting and there are there are sort of um, well uh, well proven keywords in the stock library world that I was not aware of and i'll share maybe I'll share it in um in Mukana, mm-hmm. but it might be an interesting thing to start applying some of these things. Um, there was one, she had a word that she used for um, free, sp- like, um, I would call it negative space, but she had a word, I can't remember, uh, kind of how details are. Anyway, I'll post this. It might be interesting to apply some of these keywords as you're creating stuff. It'd be interesting to see if there's any overlap in this world and the... Uh, stock library you yeah. know mindset well one of the things the stock library folks are
0: really upset about is they used all those keywords against all those images so that they could it definitely helped the ai system figure out what it was how it was going to sort those images out go ahead jeffrey
4: really quick somebody somebody uh put in the chat uh no rumsleg so but we i did do a rumsleg one uh, and I said that to Alex, and I came back and forth. Uh, I want to go back really quick to talk about you, what you said that the data collection and the thing about Midjourney and Chat API, uh, ChatGPT as well, is it's not encrypted data. It is a, so somebody could be capturing all these commands and putting it into their own server 100% and they creating. Are. Yeah, so they're, it, the data collection is pretty much open source at this point.
0: It is. It is. It, 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 someone can totally capture it all. It, 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 and the thing is, is that it is, I'm not doing things, I don't work on things that are top secret to to, <laughs> to do in there. And I think that with JAT GPT, which we're not talking about today, we will talk about more in the future. The, uh, I think that I am, um, there's a lot of people upset about people putting code in, like their own code that is part of a large distro that is, you know, people are throwing that in to get it to improve that. And that's problematic. Um, you know, but having it generate that if, as a piece, on so many programming companies right now are—I mean, so many companies that are, have programmers—the programmers are using ChatGPT all the time. Um, I'm using it all the time. I'm using it on images that don't matter. Like, you know, I'm using it on things that I don't care if it's copywritten. I don't care if it like if I put up something on a as a thumbnail or if I put something in my in my keynote document. I don't care if it's if it's copywritten. And I think that there is a massive interest. So a lot of times people look at. Folks that are established media folks look at, well, how are they using the copyrighted material? And how am I going to make money with it? And how am I going to, you know, protect it? And how that's a, and I think that we're getting what we may be running into is that may be an older conversation that may not be as relevant as we move forward, because there's a lot of people that just need images for what they're doing and they don't really care, you know. And so the thing is, is that and and I think that that's the whole thing that I, I the one place I would not want to be, I you know I think there's a lot of things to stay busy at, and I think if you're good at what you do, you can stay you can keep working, but I would not want to own stock photography. <laughs> like, like, I would not want that to be my business because the thing that I found that I immediately don't need anymore is stock photography. You know, like, and, and I, if I need something more than stock photography, I take it myself. But now I just, I mean, mid-journey, it takes me a little time to turn it over. But especially after iStock got bought by Getty and kind of ruined, um, a lot of us have just kind of like, you know, we were looking for something else and we, I think a lot of us found it. Um, next question.
1: This comes from Bobby Rafferty in Central Florida. Currently, generative art costs compute as a loss leader. What are your thoughts on that? Users are needed for the machine learning, modeling, training, and processing.
9: Go, John. The next two questions are very, very similar. So every week, Dave Holtz, who's the CEO of MidJourney, and you probably remember him. Um, He's, um, oh shoot. Uh, The company that built those paddles for 3D. Um, It
5: looks like every hippie um, hipster you've ever seen.
9: So every Wednesday at uh, noon, he comes on Discord and does what he calls office hours. (laughs) And he specifically talked about these next two questions. Everything that they're doing now is, is a lost leader. But how much does it cost to build an audience of 10 million people? Yeah. And so yes, they're building they're building audience and they are spending a lot of money on compute. He he goes over this in in this meeting.
0: I think that I think that you know like I think OpenAI is doing really great with with uh, um with ChatGPT, but a lot of us got really this is this was like when you when you look at this I think this was the mistake. Maybe not a mistake. Maybe they'll they'll do better. I don't know. But Dolly too got us all excited, but there was no way to use it, and so and that was the opportunity that Midjourney was able to capitalize on, which was that we all got excited about Dolly 2, and then they they were so constrictive. If we if we go back in ten years, if Midjourney's the big thing and Dolly, we don't know what the story is going to be. You know, until we, you don't know what the story is going to be today until you're ten years out. But ten years out. If Dolly 2 just kind of disappears into the into the um background and Midjourney's the big one, it's because of the way they rolled it out. Yeah, you know, they rolled it out, they got people excited, and then they wouldn't let them use it. <laughs> you know, and and the and the and what happened was that's what I did. I was really excited about Dolly 2, and then I just immediately signed up for Mid Journey because MidJourney's is a place that I could actually do it. And then you know, and then I and then and then we we're off to the races. And now I don't. I then I go back to to Dolly because it doesn't have the same cycle speed now that that Midjourney does. I go back to Dolly and I and I put stuff in and I'm not as happy with it. And so so I think that it is um, it's a really interesting you know situation there as far as that goes. I think ChatGPT of course made up for all of that you know at, so far of letting. I think and may, I don't know whether they learned from that or whether they're just two different models. But it was a, is a really interesting uh, move there. Um, next question.
1: I have Kitchener from Soak, BC. Can you give us an idea of the size and scope of MidJourney? What does it take in the way of computing power and servers to satisfy demands?
9: Yeah, go ahead, John. Well, they've broken Discord a few times, right? Because they're yeah. the busiest server on all of this. It's Discord. the biggest
0: server by a long shot, not by a little. Like, it's like it's, it's going to get to a point where it's like the same size as all the other Discords combined.
9: So there's two cards that they use for this. It's an A100 and an H100. The A100s are selling for about $12,000 per card. And the H's are in the thirty thousand dollars, yep. and they're building racks and racks and racks of these. Um, and he talks about this too on that same meeting every Wednesday at noon Pacific. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Jason. Was
5: I in there again?
0: Uh, you were. I, we can skip it, Jeffrey.
5: And it, and it all
4: goes back to that data collection. I, uh, we talked. I talked about the text. Uh, if it didn't have the text in there, would there'd be a lot less reduxes of, uh, of images because you wouldn't have that annoying stuff in there. But I have a feeling that they're also data collecting it. So there's going to be a point where they're going to get enough data at one point where things can kind of settle down and uh, and their hardware won't be as important uh, to push. But then it'll, it'll be an and flow type thing. I think it'll get
0: much worse because right now we're doing relatively low, low quality images and they're not, they're not broken up into sections. And there's, there's so many other features they're going to have to keep on adding to stay competitive that it's the the compute power that's required. I think it'll just get more expensive for people to use it on a professional level. Um, but I think that it, it, the compute power is going to go through the roof. Um, a reminder to everyone watching, uh, we're probably not going to get to all the questions. I wasn't sure how popular a, a, a Tuesday would be. Um, talking about mid-journey, the answer is yes, very popular. So, make sure to jump in there and vote on the questions. To, I wouldn't probably add any more, but I would vote on those questions to make sure that you can prioritize as producers what we're um actually going to answer. Um, next question.
1: This comes from Rick Markley of Baraboo, Wisconsin, who is on our panel. Has anyone been utilizing other AIs to enhance, augment, or supplement their mid-journey art?
10: Go ahead, Rick. So, yeah, I kind of mentioned some earlier um, where I'm using, like, a stable diffusion to in-paint or out-paint. Uh, but I've also been using it to, like, generate depth maps and... Um, Things like that from like my looking glass portrait and even using them as a limited um, movement uh, backgrounds for my virtual production stage that I'm working on just to give Mm -hmm. myself just a little bit of movement uh, and, you know, um, things like that. So I'm just curious what other people might be using for as well. Yeah, go ahead, John.
9: So stability.ai is the last bastion of, of open source. Open AI used to be open until Microsoft knocked on their door and gave them ten billion dollars. Now I call them closed AI. Isn't it interesting how that works? <laughs> but wealthy, um,
0: but wealthy AI.
9: So, yeah. so stability.ai and Emod the CEO, is an amazing guy. They just raised a billion dollars. Sorry, a hundred million on a billion dollar valuation. Mm-hmm. And they're open source. And if you go to Hugging Face, Dot com or io. I can't remember. You'll find hundreds and hundreds of other applications. We're running, we're running the stable diffusion on our own servers, and it's running great. It's not as good as Mid Journey, but it's close. Right, Jeffrey.
4: Uh, not to uh, On the other end, bringing it into mid-journey, I've been using a lot of AI. There, there's, it's been around for a few years now. It's called uh, this person doesn't exist. And you go to this person doesn't this cat doesn't exist.com, this horse doesn't exist.com. And it'll create an image of a person that or cat or horse that does not exist. Then you could take those images and bring them into mid-journey. Some people say if you take similar images, and you pile them up into your, uh, into your statement, it'll try and create a more succinct version of the image that you're looking for.
8: Mm-hmm.
10: Yeah, go ahead, Rick. Uh, it's n- not exactly mid related, but I've been using uh, Blockade Labs AI, if anybody's familiar with that. Mm-hmm. It's a free tool now to generate 360 skyboxes. So oh, wow. I can generate a skybox and- um, What's that called? It's called Blockade Labs. I actually can show you a little demo here. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see here. Um, so this is a, a, a skybox that I generated it. So you can, there's a few different styles you can pick. Like you can choose your, your different styles here. Um, you're limited to the number of text. Uh, I think it's like 400 characters, mm-hmm. uh, but you can generate it and then you can click this little download button. And download it but yeah you can generate the Every, skyboxes everybody and,
0: that's had to render uh 3d 3d models inside of something uh just went uh i will download i will jump to that website right now <laughs> and right <laughs> so, now it's free so yeah it's great fantastic uh next question
1: comes from alexander knight in vancouver british columbia how did midjourney develop its artistic style all of the examples i've seen seem to have a very consistent style
0: They've talked about that um, in some of those office hours that are there, that they really wanted it to be pleasing. They, they definitely have a style. I don't know exactly how they're doing the override, but definitely in version three, and I I noticed a big jump. Version three was very painterly. And I think version four kind of became a little bit more precise than version three was um, and less painterly, but it definitely had a look and they still have a look to, to what they look like. But that is a conscious decision to have it, as I said, they wanted to be have a certain um, feel to it uh, that that was and i guess how they described it was pleasing you know that it should look like art um, that's there um, but i think that it, it is interesting to see to see that process um, and uh, uh, we'll see it'll continue to evolve i'm sure and I, I think you'll end up with different ai solutions that have different feels to to how they how they approach that uh, next question
1: this comes from Josh Kaufman in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. What types of problems can a skilled diffusionist solve for a client or potential client? Or is this AI art better applied to slide presentations to pitch to clients? I'll
10: go ahead, Rick. You know, I feel um, working with AI is kind of like talking to a sketch artist. Um, if your vocabulary is larger it, it, as far as like art terms, styles, artists, Things like that, and you you know of terms that are relevant to what the person is trying to achieve. I think you know that is beneficial. That someone could do um, better than just uh, you know uh, um, someone who doesn't have any sense of style or art capabilities. So if you know you're looking for something that's skeuomorphic, or you're looking for a certain type type of art, or um, things like that, that's where I think someone who's um, I call myself a promptographer. Can help uh, guide <laughs> um, AI to give you better results.
0: Yeah, the um, that's great, promptographer. I like that. Uh, the um, yeah, I think that I, I I think that a lot of it is I, I'm using it on my own stuff right now because I just don't you know because I want to get good at it and I and I want to figure it out and I enjoy it. But I do think that there's a lot of things that we we would do for clients that that don't um that don't matter. Like that, the don't. It doesn't matter whether they're copyrighted. Doesn't matter whether they're protected. Doesn't matter whether you know. And and it, where in those areas it becomes, um, I think, really, really valuable. Go ahead, Jeffrey.
4: Yeah, I do like the fact that I can uh, I can put together something and say, okay, I have an idea, I have this thought, and I want to be able to express it to somebody else, so I can do it within pictures. Uh, we were talking about the uh, uh, logos and stuff like that. I was I was creating a. A, a character for my website to kind of add to it, uh but what I would do is one of these images, if I chose one of these images to be part of that, I would then take it to somebody else that would then do a little bit more because I can't recreate the one of those any of those four images in mid journey a second time unless I use the seed, but i can't you know can't reposition them I can't give them happy sad uh images without mm. having a completely different image that comes yeah. through. So that's where this comes in. You get the, you get the idea across, then uh, then they can take the ball and run from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that as a concept art generator, it's super powerful. Go ahead, John.
9: Prompt engineering is going the way of the Dodo bird. It's going to be obsolete. They're going to build that into the UI. It's going to be like writing DOS commands or doing grep a regular expression in Unix. It's over. <laughs> for In a while. But it's going to be a lot, but still like, but
0: I think that that might be the argument for against, you might be a diffusionist or a, or a prompt, I I don't know, a promptographer or prompt engineer or, you know, but I I think it's, to your point is why I thought of a diffusionist only because whatever happens next, it's going to be someone who can talk to the thing and make the thing happen, you know, um, in that process. But yeah, I like, I still like promptographer a lot. (laughs) It's really good. Uh, Next question
1: comes from Christian Ortiz in South Florida. Has anyone tried exporting from one AI generator and importing that into another AI system? How are the results?
10: Good, Rick. Absolutely. Um, like I, I mentioned a couple of times, I'm using other like uh, stable diffusion for in-painting and out-painting, uh, generating um, depth maps. Um, you can also do interesting things like infinite zooms where you can take an image from um, mid-journey and then uh, reduce it and then kind of fill in the area around it and then keep repeat- repeating that process to give yourself like an infinite zoom type effect. It's a pretty it's a pretty interesting thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I think combining AIs to um, enhance and augment other um, mid-journey art or whatever, uh, you know, I think it's very beneficial and um, there's a lot of great applications for it. There's some really good results I've been getting. Absolutely, John.
9: Alex, I haven't been using chat a gpt to build your prompts and then feed those into mid-journey i've done
0: a couple of them where i said describe something and, and i'll have chat gpt describe it and then i'll cut and paste that into mid-journey and have it generate it um you know and so there's a there's kind of a, a and i actually i haven't done it yet but i've been thinking about this idea of um some other people are building books and so on and so forth but the idea of, of taking a lot of like building having chat gpt build a story. And then having grabbing sections out of the story and putting into mid journey to generate the images and then put the images back into the and create a book without any, you know, without, you know, you're guiding it and you're talking about it. And a lot of times people, you know, they're like, well, you're not actually doing it. There's a lot of artists that aren't actually doing it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, let's like, be clear. What this is is the democratization of other people doing your artwork until you know that that you have a vision for. If you're a director, you're not the cinematographer. You're not the camera operator. You're you're thinking about those things and you're you're saying, I want to have this thing done. I want to have move this over here. I want this to feel a certain way. Um, and when I I worked with lots of artists, that I mean, I, I have a, a sculptor that I know that has thirty or forty sculptors. He outlines what he wants them to get to, so they they cut away a lot of the rock for him, and then he comes in and finishes it because he has a certain. He's really good at what he does, and he finishes it. But he doesn't have to go through the week of cutting granite to get to the point where he wants to do his last little touch to it um, that makes it his. But he draws it out and he figures it out. It's somebody else is doing that that mate you know, and they're learning how to sculpt, and eventually they'll go do it themselves. But but the you know, it, it, someone else doing something for you has been happening for a long time. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, so, so that it's just that now we have a machine to do it. Uh, go ahead, Jeffrey.
4: Uh, I've done, uh, of course, I've done chat GPT going into AI. I've done, like I said, uh, this person doesn't exist into AI. And I've even tried the, uh, you know, the, the same thing that Marcus Brownlee did with, the, with his YouTube, where he took yeah. the YouTube video, downloaded it, and re-uploaded. Mm-hmm. I did with an image to see how that would work. Uh, from there, so it, it, it doesn't it doesn't have as much of an impact as the video did, but it's uh, it's very interesting to see how it changes, how it interprets the new data.
6: Yeah, absolutely, good, Courtney. Yeah, since ChatGPT can write code, you can say write code, sorry, in a certain style. Can't you load that uh, information into uh, ChatGPT to draw in the style of Midjourney
0: yeah. using the dash commands? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. I can't hear you, Jason, but your sync is amazing. Okay, next question.
1: This comes from Ronnie Hofsey in Tromsø, Norway. Our current workflow for getting higher resolution images from Mid Journey is to upscale them, then use the Super Zoom neural filter in Photoshop. Are there any alternatives to this you would recommend? Let's say 4K stills from Mid
10: I uh, go ahead, Rick. I use a uh, Topaz Labs Gigapixel, and um, that is does an amazing job. Um, I, I really like its output. There you go, John.
9: Right on the money. Exactly what Rick said. They they don't do that because of the power that it takes to create those images. That's why. Go ahead, uh, Jeffrey
4: and once again you can use that seed function so you can create lower res images and put a seed number to it and then go back and then use the same seed number and then uh, and then put it in a higher resolution up to 8k i believe
0: one thing i found is until they no i don't think it ever renders 8k i don't think it ever renders more than 1920 by something or other it's or two, two, 2048 by 2048 is the biggest i've ever seen do it and recently it hasn't done that resolution um next question
1: Comes from Paul Terry Wallace in Austin, Texas. What is the role and value of mid-journey events like the one coming up at 5 p.m. today with Peter Moorbacher listed in the mid-journey Discord?
0: It's building a community. You know, it's building a bunch of people and having them understand why it's going on and having them be able, because it's not just, it, you know, the problem that you have is that you're, you got to sell this to the world. And so you, you want to have other people understand it as well because they're talking to their friends and their family and they're, they're defending it and they're talking through it and having them really understand it is super important. So um, I think that they should do. An event every day. <laughs> if I if I were them, oh wait, I do I do do an event every day. <laughs> but if I were them, I would definitely do a, an event every day with that size of an audience. Um, it would be amazing. Um, next question
1: it comes from Douglas Carmichael. What class of server hardware would you need to self-host Midjourney or journey like tools?
9: Go, ahead, John. So we have two we have two platforms. We've got one PC running a forty seventy card. Running Stable Diffusion on that platform, but we also have the Jetson um, individual box by NVIDIA. NVIDIA had their event in March last year, and the whole thing was related to AI, and I couldn't figure out why they made this huge move. Now I know why. Absolutely. Next question.
1: It's Rick Markley from Baraboo, Wisconsin. What interesting applications or uses have people been using their AI-generated artwork for?
10: Good, Rick. So I mentioned a couple of things, um, but one of my favorites is I've been doing a lot of uh, character creator animations with some friends for TikToks. And I love using it to create different backgrounds and sets and things to quickly switch between, um, you know, the the whole Etsy. I created an Etsy shop to do some, you know, uh, passive income while I'm just kind of sleeping. I uh, mm-hmm. haven't sold anything yet, but that's the idea is to eventually get to that point. But yeah. uh, also... Um, I've been trying to work with like DID, which is like a, it takes still images of faces to animate them into characters. So we could take like a character generated in MidJourney and and animate them. Um, Same with like the looking glass portrait, using the depth to create um, interesting depth images on looking glass and, and other applications. Yeah. Jeffrey?
4: I've had some fun uh, when somebody's uh, on P- Facebook and they say, and they post something, I'll take that text and I'll put it into MidJourney, and then I'll make an image and I'll send it back to them, uh, kind of like their own little gift right there. I've also done it where I've, I've prompted people. I said, hey, give me one word in, uh, in comments, and then I'll make a big MidJourney about it. So I get a whole bunch of comments, uh, single words, and then I you know put it into its own keyword phrase, and then uh, create an image. It was, that was pretty fun.
0: I um I made I don't think I'll ever make cards again either. Uh, I made Christmas cards. I we talked about it at some other point where for my family and you know, and uh and so what I did is I you know, I thought of that person of what they'd be interested in. I had Santa doing this thing. <laughs> some with my, son, my 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 uh my son i had like he he really likes molecular molecular engineering and so i had had santa doing molecular engineering my my daughter he was playing he was playing the bass because that's what she plays my my dad he was a lawyer my son or my not my son my my brother he was a he was golfing because my brother runs a golf course and so for each person i just thought of that my my mom's from arizona so i had it he was in a it was santa pulling a um oh, he was on he was on donkeys pulling a uh, or no reindeer, but had a had like a stagecoach you know going through the desert you know with stuff on it, which was really funny. So anyway, so all of these different things uh, and and it was so much fun and people got so much out of it, the only thing that was missing is I didn't print them on cards and send them, which will happen next year. <laughs> like you know like I'm definitely figuring out how to print the cards because it was just it was just really, really fun. Um, next question.
1: Ronnie Hofsey from Trumpsey Norway is back the no command. Has given us a few challenges. For instance, we've been using MidJourney to generate logo concepts and want to avoid text in the generations. But the "no text" command seems to be ignored. Any suggestions?
4: Go, ahead, Jeffrey. That's the million-dollar question right there. Uh, as as we've already talked about, no no works in per- like if you wanted, to, uh, let's say, I wanted a pond, no frogs. That's where the "no" command comes in when it comes to text it's just i i'm not exactly sure how they're how they're figuring that all in because once again it's just a bunch of a bunch of jumbled letters and and yeah it just ruins an image
0: yeah i um i I really think that the it's because it's additive it's going and grabbing things and adding them taking them out is not something that the algorithm does and so it's very very difficult i find that no doesn't work anywhere Consistently, If I'm doing it, I, you know, I can't take things out now. I can say things like, again, we were talking about this before. If I say no faces, I may or may not get no faces. But if I say without faces, it will not say it will, it will not have it there, you know, and so or faceless, the faceless is going to be, you know, so you want to think about a positive term that is going to describe what you don't want to have there. But no text is Hard and and Jeffy's right. It's frustrating when you create something cool and you've got text in there that you have to Photoshop out, and you'd be very good at Photoshop. It's just it, we're just going to improve our Photoshop skills. There's probably a lab there of fixing. We we, we have a lab coming. I can see it of fixing your your mid journey images in in after hours. <laughs> so, so I think that might be a good one. Uh, next question.
1: The Chad LaFarge from Columbia, Missouri asks, can you generate a character with seed and then create a series of images using the same character? I go, John.
9: You can't do that directly, but they talk about this. And Rick maybe can talk about this more. But I see people generating characters just like we used to do in Flash where people are animated. So you create the first one, keyframe, and and then the second one, keyframe, et cetera. I'm seeing people do that right now. I go, uh, Rick.
10: Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm just getting into it, but there's uh, something called control net for stable diffusion that I'm starting to dabble with. And that allows you to give like, you can change colors and backgrounds and control lighting with an existing image. And I'm just starting to get into it. So hopefully I'll have more um, on that next time we, we have another meeting. But, um, that seems like it has some good promise where you can upload an image and then give it some, you know, um, Change the, have to change the lighting, but it still keeps the image pretty much the same, or it can. Next question.
1: Paul Terry Wallace from Austin, Texas. Are there any ethical issues with mid-journey artwork?
9: Go, John. I don't know if ethics is the right word there. They're they're currently in litigation, so we'll find out what's going to happen with their lawsuit. They did build their model with a bunch of artwork that was on the web, and so we'll see what happens to that that case.
0: Yeah, I think it running the case, threatening the case was was useful. I think running the case is a huge risk because if if they, um, once there's precedent, I mean, if it gets to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court goes, well, ah, it's okay, there'll be a trillion dollars invested in this in a year. Like it'll just be that, you know, the gates will just open up, you know. So they're, you know, I think that the, everyone was staying out of this because they were afraid of getting sued. If they get, if, if the, you know, if, if it knocks it down, I think it's gonna be very hard to knock it down completely because by the time it gets to the Supreme Court, everyone's going to use it in their everyday life. <laughs> you know, like It's going to be very, very hard to unwrap that. And if it gets um, affirmed, it's over. Um, next question.
1: Ronnie Hofsey from Trumsey, Norway. Is there any difference in the order you place the images using the slash blend function?
0: I uh, go
9: ahead, John. The blend command is fairly new within the last couple of weeks. What I've been doing is taking two images and doing a composite. It's a great parlor trick. I do it for love children um, at you know high school reunions or sitting at the bar with two people, and it's really really fun. I did, I did Mac- Ronald McDonald and Wendy's love child. It came out fantastic. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeffrey.
4: And I think there is a weight command uh, in Blend. I have to double check to make sure what it is, but uh, just like with the image where you do the colon colon one to five, mm. uh, I think you can do that with Blend.
0: Yeah, the um, I, I will say by the way, there's a there's a bar that wants to be made somewhere that is just sitting around and doing mid journey and having it show up on the walls, you know, and having a prompt thing or whatever. I just, I, I have a friend that has a bar and I keep on telling him, you need to do, a, you, you need to build this out because it just would be so much fun. Um, it's a, every time we sit around, um, uh, you know, doing this together as, as a friend, people start throwing things out. We'll do some more after hour stuff where we do that as well. Um, next question.
1: Douglas so Carmichael asks: With the artist-driven class action lawsuit against the creator of Midjourney, do you think we'll see it and tools like it go the way of Napster? And there's a link. Uh,
0: I think we want to remember that Napster still broke the industry. <laughs> it didn't matter by the time by the time Napster was uh, was gone, it didn't matter. You know, I, I, I'm not too concerned about which brand gets there. The the horses out of the gate, <laughs> like, you know, like there's not going to be any putting this back. You know, you can't stuff it all back in now like so the the thing is is that i i, don't, I just don't think it's going to go away it may not be Midjourney. journey maybe they lose but it's there's no way to stop it at this point so i think people have to figure out how they're going to work with it um as opposed to how they're going to stop it because it's it's not going to go away um next question
1: and this is Paul Terry Wallace from Austin, Texas. Is there any kind of showcase online for MidJourney artwork?
0: There is. There is. It's in Discord. <laughs> so in the Discord showcase, uh, you want to go, you know, there's so many showcases in Discord. So in the MidJourney um, Discord server, there are tons of showcases and there's the, the all kinds of artwork. And not only are they there, but the search terms are there. And it's the best study guide to what you're doing that you could possibly have. So that, And that is one of the, I think, just one of the genius things that MidJourney did was allowing us to see other people's work and giving, incentivizing people by allowing them to do it, to um, throw those search terms in and exposing that to everyone so that they can look at them. A lot of times I look at something, and I go, oh, that's really cool. I just literally just cut and paste that search term out. I put it into my own thing and I change a couple terms that I want to change. You know, I, I, like I want this, but I want to have it this subject and I'll just throw it in and start making my own (laughs) like you know fucking so so and I think that like TikTok I think you have a whole lot of people that aren't really that concerned about people copying them or if you are like my search terms in mid-journey are private because I pay for that so I pay to say I want stuff that I'm doing personally to be my own um but but you have to pay extra for that so that's the incentive that they create to keep that from actually you know from to allow people to to see what everybody's doing Anyway, it's good good go ahead, Courtney.
6: Yeah, I was just going to say the one that I showed earlier, a Mid-Journey Community Showcase. Uh, this does not require a, you know, a uh, Discord, or Discord right. membership or anything. So this is exposed on the web. And so you can look, scroll through, and this changes daily. And these are well-developed images, and you just hover over them, and you can see the prompt that generated it. So you can learn a lot from this and the person who generated it. So yeah. you can maybe find that person to look at some more of their generated art and it's uh you know free and accessible
0: it's great um we're probably going to come back to this <laughs> you know and talk about it especially as things change as there's updates i think version 5 is close isn't it is, is version 5 close i think um in for mid-journey we don't know i've heard that it's close so we'll um we'll see there's a there is a sc- scenario g.gg is doing a, a big ai or game asset ai get together i think they just announced it last night uh during game developers conference. I did I did ping them and say, hey, do you want to stream that live? Because it's already sold out. <laughs> like it was it was like done. So I'm gonna see if they want to stream it. But we'll uh we'll see what happens there. Um but there's a lot of a lot of them to track. We're gonna keep tracking it. This is a big part of our the future of our business. So um expect to have a conversation about uh AI in some way, shape or form, whether it's chat or mid-journey or other things. Um probably about once a month, you know while we keep on tracking it. at least once a quarter, if not once a month, we'll be talking about this because uh it definitely is uh it's a, it's an important piece of our of our business um uh, we've traveled ninety six thousand miles nine ninety six thousand nine hundred miles hundred and fifty five thousand miles or uh, kilometers, 150, 155,000 kilometers. We almost made gold status on United today. Um, United is not a sponsor, although I wish they would be. I would love some extra for some free tickets for all the flying I do on their airline. Um, the, uh, we travel, that's a, a, a 877 million bananas for scale. Um, and uh, so, so we, we a lot of bananas there today, 3.9 times around the earth. So, um, so we, we covered a lot of ground. Great work to everyone. Thanks so much to the producers for all the great questions um, that uh, that you asked uh, today. And thanks to the panelists, of course. We can't do this without you. And thanks to the incredible team every day that um, gets up here and puts together this show. Um, it's a small village that wakes up every morning, <laughs> seven days a week, and figures out how we put out such a great show. And we just really appreciate all the work of the people that are developing the tools, people who are using the tools, people who are thinking about the tools. Um, there's, a, there's a big team that makes that happen. And we just really appreciate all your work. All right, let's go ahead and jump into After Hours.
5: So long and thanks for the fish. Fish. Fish? Fish, 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 fish. I don't
6: understand that, but okay. job healing. Maybe you ought to have Discord draw 18 million bananas surrounding the earth. I mean, you know. I, did, this, that God, come on.
8: I did that once. Alex has the image.
0: journey stuff and then at the end we'll show some image that's based on something we talked about that's what i do at MacBreak. you'll see me do it today i find some subject that we talked about and then i i put it in and
4: then it ends up as the thumbnail so imagine a world imagine. in a world, imagine in a world. I, it's really hard to do that while whispering at the same time that's all i have to say i would leave right now but i
5: can't figure out what computer my mouse is on oh, there it is. Okay. yeah i'm lost too okay